0: Block Talk Radio Kane is in the building
1: Hollywood Co. I'm with Molly G, bro. Flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows. And I want to tell you something that you probably should know. It's that slumdog millionaire Bollywood flowing uh. My real friends never hear it from me. Fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me. That's why I pick and choose, I don't get you confused. I got a small circle, I'm not with different crews. We walk the same path, but got on different shoes. Live in the same building, but we got different views. I got a couple cars, I never get to use. Don't like my women single, I like my chicks in suits. And these days, all the girls are down the road. I hit the strip club and all them troops trying find the foe. Plus, I've been sipping, so this shit is moving kind of slow. Just tell my girl to tell a friend that it's time to go.
2: Hey, welcome, everybody. Southern Sports Central, rolling to you live right here in Somerville, South Carolina. Coming to you live from the factory sports and fitness training studios. I'm Richie Yalvin, alongside the coach, Eugene Bittman. We're going to join you now for three all oh, three solid hours. And right before we went on air, I was able to conclude something with myself and the group over there, of course, uh, with the High School Blitz and get everything organized. Listen up big announcement coming up here in just a minute. We've already put it on social media uh, over there on Twitter at SO Sports Central. We put it on Facebook over there at Southern Sports Central. And tonight, we'll talk a little bit more about it with Ken Brown and myself and uh, Coach Seibert over there at Woodland High School. At Woodland High School on the 27th, that combine is going to happen at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be an all-day event. We're going to have food trucks out there while the Jumbotron up and running. We're going to be testing your skills from you name it to uh, you can only imagine it. And I mean you need to be in shape before you get there. So if you're out of shape, not going to look as good. But we are extremely excited uh, that we were able to uh, locate a spot to uh, bring uh, an opportunity to the low country to, uh, up in, of course, the Woodland area, right outside of St. George, South Carolina, right there on Highway 78, and the reason, many reasons that I picked St. George, many reasons I picked Woodland High School is because, A, the AstroTurf there is going to play a huge role uh, if it rains or uh, whatever else condition we may have, it's going to stabilize that right off the rip, all right? We did it early so that we can beat the heat as much as we can on the 27th day of June, and I like I-95. It's very close. So the kids from Charleston, you may have a 45-minute ride, but we can get kids from Orangeburg. We can get them from Santee, from, of course, down there in Bluffton and Buford. And, well, they don't have too far to come over from Walterboro, Somerville, West Ashley, James Island. I mean, you name it, we have got to pack the house. We're going to have food trucks, like I mentioned there. Uh, we will have a ton of tents there. We will have positions where parents can socially distance themselves up in the stands. And we are extremely excited to work Of course, um, with uh, Ken Brown and his group and, of course, our group here at Southern Sports Central, of course, the other group is within High School that made this happen. And it was a literally five-minute conversation where their athletic director was like, man, all that you do, all that you want to do, thank you for putting us a part of it. So with that, I'm going to bring in another man who has done a lot of things in the community. Of course, he's got his kicking camp rocking and rolling. Coach Eugene Benton, what's up, Coach?
3: Hey, Rich. How's it going, man? Uh, on the road again. <laughs> you know, we had to scramble, and uh, it's funny that you set that up with Cybert. I was on the phone with him earlier. Uh, uh, you know, the guy is such a great guy, and he's so accommodating. He was actually going to cover, uh, let us do our national um, evaluations for, for the cold kicking tomorrow. It's supposed to have kids all the way from Aiken and the upstate down the Beaufort-Charleston area, and uh, he calls me up at 2 o'clock and said they had an emergency board meeting there at the school, and graduation is supposed to be on on the field on thursday but i guess there's storms rolling the area you know so they'd move graduation until tomorrow so we had we've been scrambling (laughs) the past couple hours and uh you know i know it was no fault of his own uh he tried to he was very accommodating man always always very gracious and and very thankful for that but uh like he said you know the the board said they're going to do graduation so they need the field but uh looks like uh we're going to have it over in mount pleasant at the old town hall field uh tomorrow looks like it might be a little later check in at about 10 o'clock but uh Ready to roll. Uh, had to roll over to Mount Pleasant, trying to get some last few minutes things done uh, to get everybody prepared for that, and had to distribute some some balls that I borrowed today. But man, sun's out. Earlier it was pouring rain when I went to vote, and I was doing some canvassing for a buddy of mine over in North Charleston. But over here it's a uh, blue sky. It doesn't I don't see a, you know a trace of a few clouds. But what a, what a great day, man! It's a beautiful day in the low country. I'm ready to and excited to be outside tomorrow. A lot of sunshine, hopefully, and a lot of balls flying. Hopefully, uh, all the guys that I train with the uh, Kicking Academy do well. I got everyone from uh, kickers and got a snapper on the way from Charlotte that uh, did some work today, and he's really excited, hoping to put on a good show. And, you know, I'm hoping. I, I got some guys, man. I, I really think uh, we'll come out of this with five guys that I work with personally um, that should have a, a pretty good national ranking. So I'm really excited and looking forward to it. may not sleep a wink tonight, man. I might be blowing up your
2: text on Twitter. You never know. Hey, let's do it, man. Let's light up the skies because we have got so many great things happening right here in the Low Country, of course, with Eugene and his Kicking Academy that's a part of Southern Sports Central. Uh, We've all got the same vision. We all have the same mission. We just have different cars we're rolling in to get to that final destination, and it is for the youth. It is for the young people. As you know, we partnered with the South Carolina Youth Football Association. Eugene calls me yesterday. We have a long conversation about just the show and the week, and we're we're trying to put this combine together. Of course, uh, Ken Brown over there with the high school blitz is like, right. Rich, the low country, that's your yard, that's your baby, man. Put it together, find us a spot, and let's knock this thing out. Myrtle Beach, that's also your area. Let's find a spot up there on the Grand Strand, let's knock it out. But we've located Charleston's destination. We're now trying to get Myrtle Beach out of the way, but Charleston's going to be the first one. We're going to have the first combine of uh, of this Junior Bowl. Now, remember, this game is actually going to be taking place on December the 18th, 2020, coming up, all right? So you need to be ready. You need to be in gear. You need to be in shape. I know personally I've taken five days uh, or five weeks, excuse me, to work out with any athlete on a Saturday over at Gahagan Park to come out there and run around and exercise. Of course, I've had a really good friend of mine that I've been able to connect with, uh to get this done and that's Austin Schaubert. He is like a miniature Goldberg. This guy will work it out as good as anybody. Then Fort Chester, they've got a guy. Mr. Otis Mack. He is doing his thing with the guys from Fort, but he's also opening his doors just like everybody else, saying, Hey, look, if you want to get better, come on, let's get better together and then we'll talk about, you know, the games later. But today is a day of training. Today is a day of preparing. For what's going to be. And what it's going to be, like I mentioned, write this date down June 27th, 9 a.m., Woodland High School. All right, Woodland High School. You can find the information on our Twitter page at SO Sports Central. You can find it over there on our Facebook page. Of course, that's going to be right over there on Southern Sports Central. And we'll put it over there on Instagram at Southern Sports Central as well. But I'm extremely pumped. I'm excited to have that opportunity. We're going to get the TV guys, the other radio guys, uh, we're going to get everybody we can uh, to get out there to get your young athletes exposure to get them the opportunity. Because here's the thing, guys, think about it this way, Eugene. We have no idea what's coming in August or September. So really, honestly, while the doors are open and opportunity is here, I think we're doing the right thing by getting this thing in here as quick as we can. Yeah, you never know, man. And I know, like, some schools are waiting. Uh, one
3: of the schools that we were uh, looking at, you know, doing the, the kicking series tomorrow over there, you know, they're like, man, we, we can't even start yet. One of the kids I was training this morning, he's a Lucy Beckham kid, and he said, Coach, you know, I think we're starting on the 15th. You know, and uh, Oceanside started with uh, some, some type of, you know, the physical training and things like that. On uh, Monday, But all around, you know, I talk, to, I talk to kids that I train or, you know, know people at schools, and they're just, you know, it's like, well, we got to wait for the district. Or, you know, our principal really hasn't said this. Or, you know, some of them are just like, we're just trying to get through to graduation. They're, they've moved these graduations outside. Some of them are spread open over, like, two days. And so, wow, you know, I mean, you, 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 it's hard to tell where there's going to be a uniform thing. And I know – I got a feeling when it comes down to getting close to the season starting, there's going to be a lot of coaches that's going to look around and say, you know, those guys have been going at it for – for a lot more weeks than we have. And it's no fault of the coaches or the kids or everything else. Right. It's just really when it's in the hands of principals or, you know, sometimes they just got to go with what their gut feeling is. And if their gut feeling says hold off for a little bit longer, that, you know, they're the boss. And some, whether you're a coach and you, or a player and you agree or disagree with that, you got to go with the boss tells you to do. So, uh, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm no curious doubt. because I'm really looking forward to seeing, like, not only because everybody's going to start, we got this feeling and know Everybody's going to start. Is it going to last? We assume.
2: What we happens? Assume they're going to start.
3: What happens? Right. Well, what happens though? Um, if a program gets some kids in there and they show up with some positive tests, then what? Right. Does it shut everybody down? That's the worst case scenario, I think. Because then you got to start all over, and that's going to be the worst case scenario. But you know, for the people that are already starting and the people going. It sounds like they're doing some pretty good protocols. You know, I've seen a lot of people getting tested and and temperatures checked and things like that. You know, what I mean, but I mean, you're already starting to see injuries. Shoot, one of my own my own kids broke his wrist on the very first day at First Baptist. I know it was all over Twitter, but you know, just doing boxing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I was like, hey, you know, how does the kicker break his wrist when there's no ball involved? But
4: you know, then <laughs> that,
3: that's that's Ben, and I'm it's sure not funny, but it's interesting. It's not, and he's right. had about seven broken bones in his life. He snapped his leg doing a kickoff last spring, and uh, the kid's battled back, so I'm sure he'll be ready to roll. Unfortunately, he won't be able to at the competition tomorrow, but, you know, he'll battle back. Right. He'll be fine. Um, but, you know, it's just it's just weird. You know, we talked about it before. If, if people haven't been training, haven't been in the weight room, that, and that's my biggest fear, and that's what I was saying when we had uh, – I can't remember if it was Smitty or Reggie or somebody on the show, you know, a while back, that's right. and that was – you know, so I said, I'm terrified of injuries. I think it was Smitty. 'Cause we were talking about how limited right. his gym's gonna be or his weight room and I said, Yeah, I'm terrified right. of injuries because the best season that Oceanside had for injuries was the first full season, really season and a half under the strength coach who was pretty hardcore and yet this you know, the the training staff was like, Man, this guy's made our life so much easier. We have so many fewer injuries and I just I'm really
2: worried about that. That's one of my biggest concerns. Well, you know, Eugene, if, if you look at it, South Carolina, the Gamecocks, and the college level, had, you know, they just fired, released, however you want to call it, uh, during the uh, during, well, as soon as the season was over, they're way... In yeah, Coach Dillman. Right, because of yeah. the injury. Yeah, and know, like, there's going to be a like fall Coach guy. Dill- yeah, and no. I
3: like Coach Dillman. He was actually an IMG guy. He was with Spurrier, I mean, uh, with Muschamp down at Florida.
0: You know, and, and
3: he was such a high-energy guy. It's just there were so many injuries uh, under him and it was some of these just really like there were so many season ending injuries to knees and legs. Right. And I guess somebody started looking into that and felt like, you know, there's got to be some type of a reason for this. There's got to be some type of a cause. Is it something we're doing? We're not doing. We're doing differently. And, you know, I I mean, maybe that's what unfortunately did his career. But I love Coach Dillman. He's a guy that always, if I went for a camp, always loved on our guys, you know. He would always punch me in the uh, chest or the back, and it, it hurt really badly. You know, he's, he's a very big guy. But, you know, he's just such a positive guy and upbeat, so I hate to see that. You know, and I don't know this guy coming in. Of course, he comes in with a huge resume in the SEC and, and Ole Miss and, and things like that. So, you know, again, here I go. It, it's like reset. Hit the button and reset and start over and, and see what the new guy can bring. Right. Well, it's going to be a loaded this, show today.
2: But, I'm not sure. Right? Right.
3: Well, I was going to tell you this, too. Like you were talking about South Carolina getting back. You know, they moved back in last week. Well, as you know, we were up at Ohio State, um, and on we were touring the campus on Friday and got to see some of the players. They were at the practice field, you know, doing some sprints and stretching and, and things like that, and we stopped and talked to them, um, a couple of tight ends and some O-line guys. And, you know, they said that everybody was planning to move back in to uh, campus the following day, that Saturday we talked to, or somebody was sharing information with us with the kicker, and they were – So, Ohio State, uh, as of Saturday, everybody was back on – or the football team was back on campus, uh, getting locker rooms set up and uh, on the practice field to get kind of get ready and get ready for uh, when they start practicing, get conditioned anyway.
2: Right. Well, you see a lot of colleges are back. Of course, South Carolina, they're back on campus. I believe the state's on campus. I know for a fact Tennessee's on campus. Tennessee, by the way, zero. Count them up, zero. Well, you can't count them because they don't have any numbers in COVID coming back. So, uh, you know, I know – uh, Kenny Solomon is there, of course, uh, uh, course uh, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I believe he would probably be there as well by now. And a few other players uh, from the state of South Carolina that are on campus there ready to get this new thing going. I would tell you, Tennessee's a dangerous team. Uh, you know, I'm going to be interested to watch what they do. And and I've kind of got it in my pocket right now to watch that week one game where they're going to be hosting UNC Charlotte. Of course, Keegan Williams is the uh, the running back from the area here. He was at Oceanside. He was a leading rusher in the low country, one of the best in the state uh, in that 2019-2020 class, what have you, there this past uh, year that graduated last week. He had his his graduation party on Sunday. And, look, if I tell you this is about the kids and I get a kid asking me, hey, can you come, you know, celebrate with us, I'll shut it down, man, because it's about the young kids. And I had a great time. I got a chance to talk to Oceanside coaches and uh, a few former Oceanside coaches who are now going to James Island. That was a lot of fun as well. And uh, players, I mean, there were players from Somerville, from Oceanside, from other schools that were there to show some support and love to their brother, Keegan Williams, who uh, his parents did a great job putting together a five-star celebration. Had a great time, and I want to say thank you very much for inviting us uh, to that. I know you were on the way back, of course, from uh, the Ohio State uh, land, as uh, you guys did a great job over there. We'll get into some of that in hour three, Eugene. Uh, but tonight, oh, tonight, the loaded show that is at 6.30, as you know, Reginald Walker will join us, as he always does, for the Tent Farm segment there. Of course, uh, he played for Joe Pye. He's currently in the state of North Carolina, and they are opening up the uh, the opportunity, the border, if you will, and starting to uh, allow their athletes to work out. So we'll talk to him about that. Uh, of course, he covers a lot of media throughout multiple avenues with two different colleges. He's over at a TV station there in Charlotte, so he has... A lot of the insight and a lot of things going on there in uh, Charlotte and around North Carolina. We're also going to get in there and talk about some of the conversation. It is what it is. got to get into the Dabble Sweetie conversation, uh, and we'll get in that with him as well as a few other topics that are on the docket. Now, 7 o'clock, Joe Call, the coach from Oceanside. Uh, he has started practice. They got their doors open over at Oceanside on Monday. They started doing their thing. I'm not going to talk much about it now because he's going to talk a lot about it for 30 minutes at 7 o'clock. He'll give us the ups and downs and all arounds and and some of the hard parts, all right, because there are some changes. There are some rules and regulations that uh, Aaron places. He'll get into that and uh, kind of give you an idea for you guys who haven't started practicing yet. Dorchester County is included in that here locally. You can kind of get an idea what it's going to be like. So start preparing yourself mentally so that physically you'll be ready to when it comes to goes, And then we go to Columbia, South Carolina, where we'll check in with Jim Baxter, uh, who I get a chance to work with during the season of an FC varsity. He'll talk to us about his thoughts and opinions. We haven't talked to Jim at all since this whole COVID thing's come out. and uh, He had not been on the show with me since about January. So it would be fun to get Jim in here, and we'll talk to him about, you know, some of the athletes, some of the recruiting, and just kind of his thoughts overall. Do we start? Do we not start? Is it a shrink season? You know, we're, we're all probably on the same page thinking there's not going to be many of those classics or or um, jamborees. I, I don't think those happen. Uh, but who knows? I, I just don't feel like it's going to happen. But we'll get with Jim. As he's one of the best cover in the state as well. And uh, we'll talk to him around 730. And then maybe Ken Brown can drop by as we're breaking this news out uh, to the parents. I know uh, there was a lot of parents' inbox Eugene, myself, and others about, hey, when is this combine coming to Charleston? When are you guys going to do it? What are you going to do? And there's multiple reasons. I picked Woodland High School, right? There's multiple reasons that when I got in touch with – Coach Cyber, the AD there, I uh, just basically said, look, you're the spot. We want to get to you. Is it okay? And he said, anything I can do for you, let me know. I know we'll meet tomorrow, and uh, we'll cover all the final details. But all you need to know, athletes, mamas, daddies, grandlies, anybody that can get these athletes there, they need to be there. Let's be honest. It starts at 9. You need to be there at 8. All right? You need to be there at 8. You need to be kind of stretching it out a little bit. You're going to be doing some riding, I'm sure, because not many people live in St. George. All right? So that's going to be a ride for everybody. You need to get there stretch out, eat the night before, hydrate, start hydrating now. You should have already been doing it, but hydrate now, drinking water, take your intake, watch and pay attention to what you're doing. You should be running some sprints, uh, taking advantage of workouts. If it's Coach Eugene, if it's myself, if this Coach Otis over uh, working right now, currently, right now, over at Gahagan, you should be out there, all right? And I'm going to tell you another thing. I'm all about you working individually with all American athletes and trainers and this, that, and the other, but when you got a chance to work out with your team, You do that. You work out with your team. You tell that trainer, look, I'm a team player. My team's working out. I'm going to work out with that guy. I'm going to work out with my guys, and that's how it works out. But so many times I'm seeing a lot of notes and things coming to me, and uh, they're saying, well, I'm working out with a guy that played in the league, or I'm working out with this. That's great. But why don't you figure out another day and work out at least one day with your team? That way when you guys do get back out on the field, it's uh it's not quite the whole hey man have not seen you in a while or hey we haven't worked out in a while because the proof will be in the pudding coming here uh shortly eugene as we uh, kind of put things together uh as uh, we, we try to get excited about this thing because there was uh you should have heard it was it was almost like us setting up prom dates here as uh, we we're putting everything together eugene and i talked to ken and of course, uh, you know, he is uh, the founder of the High School Blitz. Of course, Southern Sports Central is going to have a, a huge part of this as well, here and in Myrtle Beach, by the way. And I, you and I are going to make the trip to Columbia. Since you'd like to drive, we're going to ride to Columbia and help uh, Coach Schmidty, who also, by the way, is part of this gig. So, this, this is a big deal. We got a lot of great coaches coming, man, and it's going to be an incredible event. I'm excited, man. I, I can't wait till uh, this big day when we get a chance to get up there and uh, show some talent here in the low country, man. Oh, my loss, Sorry, boy, I lost you, So uh, your... we're kind of – he's driving lost in the car or, or in about there. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take a very quick break here. It'll be a, a little break here to kind of reset some batteries here. We'll kind of get everything together. Hopefully, Eugene can get back into uh, the, 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 uh, the circle of uh, cell phone towers. But until then, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Now, here's the thing. Dads, moms, grandmas, anybody want to call in tonight? The lines are going to be wide open, right? Even if we have a guest, if you have a question for that guest, we'd love for you to interact with him or her, whoever's on the air with us tonight. We'd love for you to come on in. Let's do this thing where you find the date, the place, the time. Everything's in place for this combine, for these juniors, upcoming juniors. So we want to get this thing up and running. So call in, hang out. The number to reach us tonight, 323-784-9681. That's the number to call in because it feels like summertime. I figured I'd throw a little summertime tune to you here And uh, we are really pumped all about the young kids here in this final, and I mean finally, we're getting back to some normalcy here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live on Blog Talk Radio.
1: and think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around. And put your car on cruise and lay back, cause this is summertime. Court yet, hustle to the mall to get me a short set. Yeah, I got on sneak, but I need a new pair. Cause basketball courts in the summer got girls there. The temperature's about 88. Hop in the water plug, just for old times' sake. Break to your crib, change your clothes once more. Cause you're invited to a barbecue to start with four. Sitting with your friends, the shawl reminisce about the days growing up and the first person you kiss. And as I think back, makes me wonder how the smell from a grill can spark off nostalgia.
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elman alongside the coach. Eugene Benton here for our Tuesday show here on the ninth day of June. We're uh, real excited here about everything going on. Of course, coming to you live from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. Of course, you can find the factory. It's over there in Hanahan, South Carolina at 5913 Loftus Road. If you want to give them a shout to make sure that they're going to be open, when you get over there, you can do that as well. The number to reach out to the guys and girls over there is 843-573-7391. I'm going to tell you, I've seen some of the greatest footwork come out of that place that I've seen in a long, long time. And they've got some great trainers from the guys and the girls. Uh, The girls, of course, they're working just as hard as the guys are. All right. So there's a lot of talent going in, and uh, they're getting better coming out. So if you're looking for that, you're looking for that opportunity to get better, there it is, right over there in Hennepin, South Carolina. Of course, again, uh, we mentioned this earlier. We're really excited to be a part of uh, uh, something that's going to really, I think, take these young athletes to the next level, and uh, that's going to be the High School Blitz Junior Showcase. uh, That's going to, of course, the game is actually going to take place on Friday, December 18th in 2020, coming up this year. But the actual um, combine is going to happen on the 27th of this month. That's the final Saturday in June at 9 o'clock. It's going to be at Woodland High School. All right, you can follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central to get the information. You can inbox us there. Or you can follow us over there on Twitter at SOSportCentral. we Central. got addresses. we got information. Uh, you can reach out to myself, of course, uh, Ken Brown. He's the owner over there with the South Carolina High School Sports uh, Blitz. And those guys do an incredible job as well. But uh, two great companies coming to do a really great thing with uh, some five-star folks over at Woodland High School. So uh, food trucks will be around. Uh, we will also have tents set up. There will, will be a lot of things for you guys. All right? But I will encourage you to bring your own water bottle. All right? Bring your own jugs. If I was you, go to the store and uh, buy a bunch of water. doesn't hurt. All right? Because we are still in this whole circle of COVID-19, and I get that there's been a lot of other things going on, but we we are going to do everything that we have to do to keep your kids safe, keep you guys safe. And uh, that being said, Eugene and I were talking briefly about this before we went to breaking. We have no idea what the season is going to look like. But If this thing is a hurricane and they think it's going to flare back up towards the back end, and they always say the back end of a hurricane is worse than the front end, then this is the eye of the storm. And we're going to do what we can in this eye of the storm on the 27th to put together a a five-star opportunity to get some five-star kids out there. And, again, we looked at a lot of facilities here in Charleston. I made a lot of phone calls in the last two or three days as Ken and I were looking, and he was kind of putting me in charge of where to put this thing at. And the reason I like St. George A, is because Woodland doesn't get a lot of attention, and they got one of the best stadiums around. They really do. It's a state-of-the-art stadium. Uh, They've got, of course, the AstroTurf, which is going to play dividends if there's some weather or there's some other situations. It is the most stable place that we thought that we not only could get the conditions to be the same no matter what, but we also could get an opportunity to not leave out the kids down there and Buford and then Bluffton. And, of course, all the way out Wells Branch and you go out to Orangeburg and then you cut up to Santee and – we got, of course, Walterboro just right there. And all the kids from Charleston hit that, hit that Highway 78 or jump on 26 and come on over and, and let's do that, all right? Because so many times everything's always here in Charleston, right? So those kids have to make that journey. And so we figured it's a little bit easier, not really on the corner of 26 and 95, but pretty close enough, Eugene, where I think that the destination's a pretty solid one. I think we're going to have a great turnout. I think it's going to be a lot bigger than we assume it is when it's all said and done, but
3: and it's a good central location. Sorry about that. Actually, uh, I had to put it on mute for a second because as, as we were talking about there was a last minute change for the combine tomorrow and I had kids who aren't even training, you know, people were sitting hitting at me on Twitter and I was trying to flip back over from the Southern sports central to my kicking. And then I had, to, uh, uh, one of my players actually just show up and it was like, Hey, uh, so I saw it's moving and apparent and then i was trying to communicate with the Stratford kids. You know, I brought, they, they started training with me this week and, uh, so I, I apologize about that. And by the time I flipped it back over, you were switching off. But, uh,
4: you know, and, and
3: that's I think Woodland's great because of that. And um, I was the one that uh, that started setting up the kicker uh, competition there because, you know, while it's not quite in the middle of the state, it just – it would help out a lot of kids rather than, like you said, just being at – um in, in Mount Pleasant or just Charleston. It would uh, open up, I think, for a little travel for some other guys and – you know, while, while even, you know, guys that I train weren't exactly thrilled with having to ride 45 minutes or an hour early in the morning, you know, it I made it a little more fair. Unfortunately, as I said, you know, with the graduation change, that switched things up and it's back in Mount Pleasant. But, you know, and like you said, that AstroTurf is fast. And I think some athletes are going to be real happy with the 40 times and might make them feel a little bit better about themselves. And, uh, you know, hopefully that will give them some confidence for the next show and you know, and, and I really think that's going. That's a great opportunity for guys to come out and compete. Like you said, it, it's a great way to showcase what Cyber and those guys have. Uh, so, as we said earlier, Seibert's AD, um, what they have out there at Woodland. And, you know, he always joked with me. He tried to hire me once, and it was kind of a joking thing. I was sitting up the field one day, and we we're getting ready to play those guys. And he looked at me and said, man, I'll hire you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you do all this and do all that. He said, I got 99 problems, but money isn't one of them. And I started laughing, and he said, "He said, man, people. He said people. People just don't know what we got going on in the wood. And um, you know, it's a it's it's a neat spot. It's a great stadium, and uh, it's it's right. a lot bigger than what you would think for a two-way school. And uh, the locker rooms, even the visitor locker room, was really nice. I enjoyed that facility, you know. And uh, coming around, being able to park right there was was super convenient." Uh, they have all the gator tractors and things to help you out, and man, I mean, definitely it's a first-class operation. I think he's probably got some better facilities and equipment than um, a lot of bigger schools, and he uh, takes care of it. And right. you know, they take great pride in Woodland, and they should. It's, it's, like I said, it's a beautiful and wonderful facility, and uh, can't wait to get out there. I've been trying to already share this stuff with uh, with players that I know might be interested because it'd be a great day and great competition.
2: We had a lot of great competition, and again, we cannot put this to you any clearer, but you should have already been hydrating anyways, because most of you guys are either already back at practice, or getting ready to get back at practice, remember last week, uh, we had a young man from Alabama, who he started practice on Monday, and he talked about, man, it's a different type of workout when you have a mask on your mouth, uh, so so there's going to be some rules and some things, and you want to follow us at Southern Sports Central, of course, you want to follow the guys over there at the High School Blitz as well, but we're all going to be sharing each other's information, but... But finally, I have a date for the low country. And, again, you, you think St. George, I-95, 26, right there at that corner, it's actually a pretty good central location for everybody because we're going to kind of meet those guys that are going to come up from that Bluffton, from Euford, from Hilton Head, and, of course, from Charleston and from Berkeley to Cross and then Somerville, Fort Dorchester, Ashley Ridge. And then you got on the other side, right? you got Orangeburg. you got uh, – there's so many other schools up towards Santee. To me, it feels like a great opportunity. Now, that being said, we got to move the buck here because we've got 30, uh, 28 minutes to catch up with the one and only uh, for his segment here. Reginald Walker Jr. joins us now from Charlotte for his segment here, brought to you by our friends over at the Temp Farm. Temp Farm putting all the shade, whether it be your business, your car, or your home. Reach out to the Temp Farm at 843-297-4131. And with that, what's up, Mr. Reginald? How's life, buddy?
5: Life's good. How are you guys doing out there?
2: Well, we just secured a combine here in the Lowcountry. I don't know if you saw that feed there on the Twitter, but, uh, man, it, it, it's kind of like finding out that Christmas is coming early because I've kind of called this COVID-19. You know, we may be in the eye of the storm because they think that it may kick back up later. So I'm going to get as much cleaned up and ready to go here during this quiet time as I can to get these kids a little bit of exposure and some time under their belt for recruiting because we just don't know what –
6: tomorrow is going to bring right no we don't
5: i mean it, you know we, we've seen uh some states report uh, some jumps in case numbers from over the weekend um a lot of that for some people for for uh for many of us we believe that has to do with obviously uh the protesting um which generally creates larger crowds and so you get conglomerates of people together oftentimes you can spread the disease that way I'm not sure if that's exactly attributed to it. Uh, Obviously, a lot of states have sort of started to open back up, if you will, as well. So that's a factor also. But uh, right now, yeah, it's something to keep an eye on for sure.
2: Live right now with the one and only Reginald Walker Jr. Played his days for Joe Pye, of course, Penn State, and he always says we are. Of course, Penn State hanging out with us here at 630. As always, he also represents multiple colleges on the radio side of things, and he does some TV stuff as well, and Somewhere in between there, he finds a, a time to take a nap or two. But the news coming out of North Carolina, pretty good, man. I saw June 15th is the date that looks like they're going to open back up that state you live in, and they're going to start playing some football, man. Update us on what you guys are reading and what you're hearing there uh, north of the border here in South, out of South Carolina.
5: Yeah, right now it looks like, uh, you know, the 15th is, is the time they're going to start opening some doors. They're still laying out some different phases. Uh, with that plan because they don't want everybody to just rush in, have 60 players in a locker room, if you will, right away. They want to try to ease them into it. I think separating them a little bit more, more small groups in terms of workouts and those types of things. It's good. I think they're going to largely follow a model um, that may look like um, college football potentially um, with just trying to work out in smaller groups and being very strategic because it's certain – actually certain school districts have still kind of said, yeah, the, the NCHSAA, North Carolina High School Athletic Association, may have opened it back up, but we're still going to be involved from a uh, school district to school district basis and not just spread that thing too far open.
2: You know, it's kind of what they've done here in South Carolina. You know, the high school league here, the South Carolina High School League has opened it up in the state and said, Per district, if you will, you can control how you do things. For example, if I'm not mistaken, I know Charleston County is doing their things. We have a coach coming on at 7, trying to give us the update there Reginald, on how things are happening over there with them. Because it's actually a lot of work for the coaches. The kids might like it a little bit more because the sessions aren't as long. But uh, Berkeley County, I think they had some practices that started Monday. But Dorchester County, or Somerville, of course, Ashley Ridge, Fort Dorchester, Woodland, we mentioned them a few times here on the show today. Those schools uh, are not open up yet. Those guys are not practicing until, I believe, maybe as early as next Monday. Uh, and I kind of wonder why that, because I, I guess maybe you don't want to rush into it, Reginald, but do you see that kind of being the trend up in North Carolina like you see down here in South Carolina? And I'm going to ask you a backup question. Is How much do you think they're watching Alabama, Florida, and all these other schools open up and learning from maybe the mistakes that they're making along the way?
5: I I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think everybody is kind of watching everybody else. And and I've said uh, for a while, at least in North Carolina, watching uh, the governor, uh, I think he's watching. And and we were in what we called phase one uh, for a while. And some folks thought we would go to phase two quicker than we did. And what I thought he was doing, and I could be very wrong in my estimation, but I looked at it and about two, maybe three weeks I'd have to go back and look at the exact dates. South Carolina and Georgia went into next phases, and the governor of North Carolina waited. And in my mind, I said, he's watching those other two states that are near us to see what happens there before he makes a move. So I would, I would almost uh, assume that that's what's happening with a lot of these things. I think you know states are watching states, governors are watching governors, and then counties are watching nearby counties as well and it's a trickle-down effect because if they don't see a spike in numbers in the county next to them, they feel a little bit more comfortable.
2: Kurt Dowd we're live right now with one and only Reginald Walker Jr., former player with Joe Pye in Penn State, a current contributor here to Southern Sports Central and multiple other audio, video, you name it. He covers it there and in, in around Charlotte North Carolina. And Charlotte's opening their doors to uh, what could be the future to uh, high school football as we know it coming up. Uh, Fair to say, though, uh, Reginald, I I just don't think that they're going to even try to get into some of those uh, jamborees. you think that's safe to say nationwide? They're probably going to say, look, let's just focus on the season. And then another question to ask you with that one is, do you think they go full season or do you think they kind of focus on their regions and those games that are within their own schedule there that are going to mean the most?
5: I I think we're going to see a lot more regional play. I think uh, because if you keep it regional, you, generally, if you if you think about it, and you and you guys know this, and I'm gonna try to talk a little bit about the uh, the South Carolina the, down there and, and what have you, because you know you're thinking maybe Berkeley County um, into maybe Dorchester and then the Charleston, that kind of general area probably want to keep because that traffic moves through those three areas all the time anyway. So it wouldn't surprise me if those games kind of stayed intact. I don't think you're going to see as many, not that you always did, I don't think you're going to see somebody from Charleston go all the way up and play somebody in Columbia uh, in this in this sort of new world order, if you will, to, to sort of try to prevent going into areas that you don't know much about.
2: Right. That's a good point. And, you know, now because you do see – the Dutch sports traveling into Mallard Creek, a school in Charlotte, right? We just saw that. And, by the way, remember, it, it was announced about a month ago that there was a team in South Carolina playing the team in North Carolina for the first time ever at that, uh, the Charlotte Panthers Stadium. I wonder if they X that out for the same reason there, Reginald.
5: Well, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because uh, Panthers owner David Tepper has made mention of uh, playing football with fans this fall. And I would venture to guess um, that any game that's played in his stadium, he'd like fans, and he's going to push for that. Um, So I think either that game will happen with fans, uh, in his estimation, or it won't at all. Now, I'll say this, too. With all due respect to that level of high school football game, there will not be 60,000 people in, in, in Bank of America Stadium to watch those two high school teams play. So it may be a little bit easier to spread folks out. And I'm not suggesting the governor will allow this. That's a whole different conversation. But it's much easier to spread out eight to ten to 12,000 people for a high school football game than you're at, in a stadium that seats 60,000 as opposed to a National Football League game where essentially the rule is to watch it on TV, you've got to sell 80-plus percent of the tickets just to, 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 to watch it. So folks have to buy the tickets. But why would I buy a ticket if I can't go? So I think there's a little bit of a difference, and that's the thing to watch as it relates to the high school game versus the Panther, a potential Panther home game. But that's something I think that makes it a little more feasible, if you will, for a high school football game in that stadium.
2: No doubt about it. Great stuff there. Covered course uh, right now with Reginald Walker Jr., who helps us get everything around not only high school but college as well. He's well-sound and well-grounded in the world of sports, as he's played his college day up there in, in state. Now, uh, Reginald, let me ask you this. This is something that, that we haven't talked yet because we did not do a show Sunday. We were invited to one of our athletes, it's a regular here on the show, his graduation function, so we took advantage of it, went and uh, celebrated his accomplishments Sunday night. Now, that being said, since then, uh, Dabo Sweeney and his staff have been in the headlines. I want to get your thoughts and opinion on uh, how does Dabo handle this. He just released a video, I believe, yesterday and – kind of put everything to some people to rest. Uh, they're okay with where they are now, but, but what's your thoughts on, on Clemson and, and uh, something like this kind of service and something, I believe, what was it, 2017? Now here it comes out in 2020.
5: Well, here, let me say this first and foremost. Um, the kid, the player that this all centers around, I'd like to hear from that person. I would like to hear that right. person's account of exactly how all of this played out. Because I think from a context standpoint, it helps a lot of people figure it out. Again, I don't agree with the reuttering of the word uh, by the coach, but I'd like to hear from the player first and foremost. And now let me say this about Dabo Sweeney. A lot of people love Dabo. A lot of people like Dabo, believe in all those things. The issue that a lot of people have with him right now as it relates to this was as soon as it came out, He went silent for a while. Dabo has been known to be a guy that when he has an opinion on something, he comes out strong and with heavy conviction. Mm. So all of a sudden, it takes you an extended period of time to respond. And then, look, Dabo, don't make it worse, man. You're looking down at the paper. (laughs) You got to prepare. That's not going to sit well with a lot of folks because – Listen, we we've all heard it, right? We've all heard the conversations. If you right. see someone walk up there and there's no paperwork or whatever, and they just start talking and maybe even start crying, everybody goes, That was from the heart. It was genuine. Amen. The minute someone sees notes, they go, Oh, prepared statement. I don't know how much I believe this. So I think Dabo mm. in this situation, as smart as he is, I've heard one of the terms I've I've heard Used to describe him lately Is tone deaf That was kind of a Tone deaf thing to do In nice. this time With that discussion point To show up With what looked to be at least Notes, maybe not a prepared statement Fully, but at least notes And then To take that long to respond I think it, it raises Questions with a lot of people Now for me personally nice. I don't know Dabo very well. I've been around him. I've met him. I've talked to him. He's a high energy, happy guy that that is strong in a lot of his convictions. I need you to be strong in your convictions every time you talk. So for me, Amen. I didn't see the consistency I was looking for from Dabo in terms of his personality. That, for me, yeah, I agree was, with you. It was a little bit of an issue. Now, exactly what went on, I'll be honest. I don't agree with the, the, with the use of the word at all, at all. And I don't know what the internal discipline was for that coach. I'd like to know. But at the end of the day, I want to hear from that player, and then I can give you a full perspective on exactly how I feel about that.
2: And you wonder why that player hasn't come out yet. Those are, those are some of the questions I have. And have they asked him not to come out, right? I mean, let's not, let's not turn the eye when it's convenient and say, well, he's not coming out. now. Yeah, a lot of times things, things happen. And, again, just playing devil's advocate here. Here's another side. Uh, let me ask you this, Reginald. What if Dabo Sweeney's not winning national championships at Clemson, South Carolina, for example, what if that was Will Muschamp right now that we're talking about? We're not talking about Dabo Sweeney, who is known for jumping in reporter's arms, who's known for being all glory, glory, and, and, and telling it to high praise. And, again, I like Dabo. I'm a Dabo guy, okay, and I'm a game guy. But this is un dabo to me, to come up with paperwork. Yes. He is a heartfelt dude. This dude, when he talks about his cat, his dog, he is very heartfelt. He loves to talk. That's what he does best. He's the best recruiter on that campus, trust me. I mean, I really feel like he could recruit my grandmother who's been gone for 20 years to come out of the grave and go to Clemson, South Carolina. But what if, Reginald, what if we're talking another campus and we'll just go right down the street to the rival where you've got a guy right now, Will Muschamp. What if this was Will Muschamp? They're losing. They're not winning the games that Clemson's winning. Do you think this is a different outcome? And do you think that people aren't quite as easy and forgiving as they are right now when it comes to Davos Winnie?
5: I think it would have an effect. I think right now. Um, To me at least The biggest key to this whole thing Because I agree with your premise Um, If you're getting your tail kicked You know six out of twelve weeks in, In the college football season Dabo's probably dealing With some heat right now I think if that player comes out and says One thing one way or the other There's either a lot of heat or it's water under the bridge But I think that's the key Is yes winning does Make a lot of things go away But that player, to me, is the ultimate in whether or not this moves forward or goes backward further.
2: Live right now, Reginald Walker, Jr., joining us all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, contributes here on 630 Tuesday segments here, of course, uh, sponsored by the Temp Farm. Uh, Another coming out with uh, not only the Panthers, but other organizations dropping a huge sponsor, Uh, due to the fact that I believe it was social media. I want you to kind of clarify this because this is literally your backyard. But uh, I think this is something that's going to continue to happen. I think social media is getting ready to really become the jury for a lot of individuals who forget to think before they hit sin.
5: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm I'm reminded, and I've been around uh, him when he uttered the words, don't press sin, Herm Edwards. Um, that that you better know what you 're sending and and no one 's going to miss it right now and you know essentially uh if if i remember correctly with the c p i situation with the panthers and hornets and i think Bojangles has issued a statement i i, I haven 't read exactly what Bojangles said uh, the charlotte knights uh hornets and panthers have all severed ties with c p i and i believe it was an email um from the c e o like an internal uh sort of memo and 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 Essentially, that's not going to fly. Right now is a time in which everybody's ears are perked up, everybody's eyes are open, and what you do and or say is going to be fact-checked, if you will. And if you say something tone-deaf or say something that's just out and out negative because there's that going on too, you're done because no one is going to miss. And I think that's the most interesting thing that's going on right now is there are a lot of folks, regardless of how they look, are pushing for change and pushing for unity and equity and equality um, along racial lines and other lines as well. And so it doesn't matter what they look like. If they see something they don't agree with, they are going to put you on blast, if you will. You're going to get retweeted with a question mark. You're going to get the retweet that says, did they really say this? You're going to get the, the, the Instagram repost. Did y'all see this? All of that is coming. There is no hiding. And so right now, you got one choice. Be prepared to say and do the right thing. Because anything else, you are going to have to have a lot of answers for it. And that has not turned out well for a lot of folks.
2: No doubt about it. We've seen a lot of people, and we've seen major – and I mean, I'm talking some major sponsorships are going to start taking some major hits here because it takes you longer to put that tweet together than it does somebody to snap a picture and share it right away. Trust and believe that. Now, final thing and, to and Let, me say, this, let me say this on that point. Yep.
5: Let me say yeah. this on that point. Because one of the things that, right, we as a society – have accused NBA, right. NFL, baseball, all these owners of doing for years is only caring about the bottom line. When you walk away from a multi million dollar sponsorship deal, you are saying right then, it's not about the money, I don't care. And I'm telling you something, that right there is a bigger message than just saying no and walking away. It's the amount of money they're walking away from that people are going to say yes. And I, I get it, David Tepper's worth umpteen billion dollars right like 11 billion or whatever it is but if that guy who is a money guy is going to walk away from money everybody goes he's serious about this cause he believes in what's going on and he's not going to stand for it and if you don't believe him look at how much money he walked away from
2: hmm i love it that's a great point and that's You know, for example, somebody had made a conversation with me earlier today about Southern Sports Central and me and you and all these guys and girls that we've all put together that we do what we do here on this show for three hours, three days a week for now, and then going to encourage it back up to about six days a week or five. You know, it, it is using our voice, using our platform to stand for the right thing and walk away from the wrong thing. And I applaud anybody who uses their platform to be heard, because that's what you have it for. Don't just use it. Like I said with athletes, and I'm going to tell this again two or three times each hour, don't just love these athletes on Friday nights. Don't just high-five them on Saturdays in the end zone. you got to love them all the time. All right? Or don't love them at all. There's no riding the fence here. Uh, That being said, talking to Saturdays, uh, one of the things I want to cover before I get you out of here uh, Reginald, the NCAA now has set and approved a six-week calendar uh, to ramp up the college football season. Of course, uh, that coming out uh, just, um, well, not long ago, earlier actually. Uh, your thoughts on that and, and how this is going to prepare us and propel us into what could be a, a very quick turn and getting this thing up and running in college football?
5: Uh, that's in a lot of ways what it, what I thought it needed to be and what I expected it to be. Uh, if, you, if you go back to when we talked, Uh, a few weeks ago, and and we were talking about what dates are we looking at, what dates are we earmarking. And I said July 1st to get the players back on campus around or no later than July 15th, which gives you about six weeks before the first game. It it lines up with exactly what you kind of need as an athlete, as a football player, to get your body ready for the ground, pound, and gruel of a 10-12 in college or 16-game regular season uh, in the National Football League, you're going to need at least six to eight weeks. I think the NFL probably, obviously, they start a little bit later, so they'll have a little bit longer uh, than college football. It's usually about a week or two weeks difference. But that's going to matter. And and so, uh, yeah, I I think six weeks was the minimum. I think eight weeks was the optimum. And right now it looks like the math is going to fall somewhere in between from the full ramp-up process. Now, the fact that some of these kids because in most cases, you have a lot of your players, at, the, at least at the collegiate level, back on campus in early June. And they start workouts in early June. Uh, but worst-case scenario, you want the majority of your guys back for what they call that second summer session, which usually kicks off around early to mid-July. And you've got that five or six weeks leading into the season uh, around the first weekend in September to get their bodies in full tip-top shape. So this lines up with a lot of the calendars for the college football off-season running programs, off-season strength and conditioning programs to, to ramp up right around the time they normally would be taking the field for the regular season.
2: Live right now is Reginald Walker, Jr., of course, a contributor here on Southern Sports Central on Tuesday afternoon. He does multiple things in TV and radio land in Charlotte for multiple colleges. Of course, he covers the high school ranks, up there in Charlotte as well. He played his days with Joe Poss and the 10-state Nittany Lions. Uh, you, you know, when I look at this, uh, Reginald, i, I got to say, this is an opportunity for, like you said, for these sports to take advantage. Through everything bad, there's always going to be some good, but I think this gives some good in all of our sports to kind of regroup and kind of rebrand and yet relabel some new rules and some new guidelines. Your thoughts on how you're going to see the new – theme kind of come out not just in football but i think you'll see it in basketball baseball and a few other avenues
5: yeah i think you're going to see some rule changes for safety maybe um, but you're definitely going to see a better planning um, and that's what we're already starting to see is a more of a unified plan to lay out how we can move forward and then putting it in the hands of the right people to make the right decisions that's the first part of it the second part of it um, is, is some of the shifts that we're going to see, and I think we're going to keep seeing these. Now, I know that the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference has had its issues for a while um, in terms of finances and those types of things. We know that Hampton uh, left the MEAC for the Big South. Their first season competing was last season in terms of football. Uh, this year will be the last academic year for North Carolina A&T State University in the MEAC as well as they move on. Uh, to the Big South also, and then recently we saw Florida A&M leaving the MIAC to go to the SWAC, and the thing they talked about is travel. One of the points made was why would we take a 17-hour bus ride to Bowie for a baseball game that doesn't make us any money? It makes more sense for us to go to an Alabama State or go to an Alcorn State because those schools are much closer, much better, fit for us in the region, and I think you're going to see that continue because teams are understanding now with this money crunch that they've got to be more strategic about where they're traveling to and who they're playing and how it behooves really both fan bases. And so if you think about it, if all of a sudden you're looking up and Georgia Southern uh, wants to play, or, 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 or maybe, let me rephrase that, maybe Clemson says, you know what? why don't we play coastal Carolina every year or coastal every year says, you know what we're going to play, you know, uh, uh, the Citadel decides we're going to play Florida A&M every year, because that's an easier trip in non-conference play as opposed to some of the longer trips in conference play that teams already have.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. The first thing, when you started talking, I started thinking about West Virginia being in the big 12. I mean, there's a lot of that, and it never made sense to me. Of course, Missouri comes all the way to South Carolina. But, you know, before it was money. Now it's COVID. There's a lot of things, a lot of questions that I think the next couple of weeks we'll kind of see how some of this un- uh, unravels. What's going on in your world of sports? We don't always ask you this, but now that some sports that's starting to happen. What, what is a normal day in the life of Reginald Walker Jr. when it comes to the sports
5: world, bro? You know, the first thing I do when I get up is I check the boxing page. I'm a big boxing guy. <laughs> Love
2: watching boxing,
5: um, and just trying to keep an eye on what's going on. It looks like uh, Deontay Wilder and uh, Tyson Fury. They're they're supposed to fight again later this year. They're talking about maybe getting it done down in New Zealand. Um, that's come up as a possibility. So how crazy is that? We've got all these all these athletes going to different places to compete, um, and so that that mm-hmm. I look at that, and then I look at headlines in college football. What did I miss overnight? What did I miss when I went to sleep? Obviously, right now, consumed by what's going on with Iowa. Um, I know plenty of guys that played their college football at Iowa, played against guys that played at Iowa, obviously going to Penn State. And so keeping an eye on that situation because it seems very tenuous. It seems very uh, uh, nasty out there uh, from a standpoint of uh, what the players, former players, are saying has gone on out there. Um, And and some of the best players um, have some things to say in it. It, you know, it, it's interesting that I'm bringing this up now because earlier in the conversation you mentioned,
4: you mentioned,
5: mm-hmm. right, the, the culture and, and how some of these things are playing out and how players are reacting to it. And right now, one of the main players talking about the issues at Iowa is, at least when he left school, the all-time leading receiver, Daryl Johnson Coulianos who was an absolute monster in the late 2000s going towards 2010 on that offense. And so when you see that, and and a lot of the Iowa players are saying, just to your point, don't just cheer for us on Saturdays. Mm. You better cheer for us in life. And that's a major discussion going on right there in Iowa because some of the fans apparently were defending the coaching staff and saying there were no issues. And then other fans, of course, were defending the players, and so there was a bit of a divide. And you hear those players saying, and those players are coming out saying, listen, we're telling you what happened. Don't try to act like it doesn't matter because all that matters is Iowa football. No, we matter too, and we were the players that made Iowa football what it is. So don't, don't sit there and, and, and act like we can go score a touchdown for you on a Saturday, but then on Tuesday night we can't sit at dinner across from you holding the hand of your daughter.
2: Very powerful And you've seen Iowa You've now seen Florida State You've seen Clemson And all the three schools And I'm sure there's more schools to come They just haven't made it to social media yet Or whatever the case may be I I think this is going to be something That's going to start to unravel a little bit more And as they like to say As they start peeling the onion back a little bit more You're going to start to see the smell change in the room Just a little bit more Year after year Or maybe day after day As you know It would be interesting to watch And again Reginald You went to Penn State, you saw some of the division that happened. It was a different scenario. It was a different situation, but division is division. How do you add it up and subtract it, right? You've seen a situation like that tear a school apart, right? How how vulnerable are these schools right now that we just talked about?
5: I tell you what, you read my mind because I was just getting ready to make (laughs) the point. Listen, and I said it at the time. You know, you can't be out here trying to clean the closets of other programs because you don't know what's in yours. And so at the end of the day, some of these fans that that are screaming, that would never happen at my school. We don't do that. You don't know what's going on. Trust me, because there are players in some of these programs that don't even know what's going on. So at the end of the day, I would tell anybody, whatever's going on at Iowa, whatever went on at Clemson, whatever's going on at Florida State, keep your mouth shut and just hope your program doesn't have those issues. Because at the end of the day, you never know what's coming. And I'm telling you, when it came, when, when all that information came out as it related to Penn State, it was devastating. It hurt. And the worst part about it is you start to wonder, was there a time when I should have caught on to something? And that's the hardest part. So at the end of the day, whether you played there, you just went to school there, or you're just a fan of it, Keep your tone down because you never know what's in the closet of your program either.
2: And then you know it to the wall because there's a lot of guys in locker rooms who have no idea. And trust and believe me, uh, it happens more than it doesn't happen uh, on the end of the deal. Reginald, as always, brother, we appreciate you. We love you, man. We, of course, uh, can't wait to get back in here with you. If something breaks loose between now and next Tuesday, we'll get you back. But uh, we appreciate you and your family. And uh, you guys stay safe. And we'll talk to you um, a week from today, as always.
5: Absolutely. Anytime, guys, y'all take care of yourselves. Be safe, be smart, and most of all, be better today than you were yesterday. I'm gone. We are.
2: (laughs) As always, got to love it. The one and only Reginald Walker Jr. joins us as a 6.30 segment. Got to go to break. Coming up, we're heading to Mount Pleasant, South Carolina with the one and only head coach for the Land Sharks, Joe Call. We'll be right back, guys. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. Ran a little long there, but that's all right. Got a lot to cover there with the one and only course uh, Reginald Walker Jr. Played his days with Joe Pye over Penn State. He is now a voice of many colleges there around the Charlotte area. He does TV, he does radio, and right here on Southern Sports Central, he is a contributor in major ways on and off the air. We want to thank him for his time. But now it's time to head over to a coach, and let's talk to the one and only Coach Joe Paul, who's also a big-time contributor to the growth here at Southern Sports Central. What's up, Coach? Hey guys, how we doing tonight? We're great. You got to be exhausted, man. You guys are practicing over there in Mount Pleasant.
6: I tell you, well, you know, it's it's there's no complaints for sure. But, um, you know, to to having the players to be able to to get out and kind of get back around the building and on the fields and all that. But uh, I, I will tell you, like you just said, it the the days for coaches are are very long. Uh, it's actually shorter for the players. But uh, long days for coaches because we're, uh, you know, we're we're having them come through in groups and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, uh, and we gotta gotta keep them moving. You know, gotta keep keep each group together. You know, uh, in their groups of nine, per coach, and then uh, as they rotate through, kind of yeah, uh, you know, every little station from one, you know, kind of working station to the next, they have to. Um, um, you know, then once they're done, like you got another group coming in. So, it's you know, do a temperature checks and a, little, a couple of things that we're, we're not used to doing, but, uh, you know, and we're, we're following the protocol, uh, the, the guidelines at the, the high school league because, uh, you know, like uh, you hear every coach interviewed, you know, the, we just want to do things the right way so we can get back in the fall and be actually playing. You know, you don't want to do something to screw that up. We're live right now with the head football coach over there in Oceanside. The Landshards started practicing
2: yesterday. They were one of the first waves of the low country, if you will. I think Charleston County coach in Berkeley County had some schools practice yesterday. Uh, kind of talk about that, and, and why would you think that maybe other counties are kind of waiting a little bit? I know Dorchester County may not start practicing as early as next Monday and others the weekend after that there, but but why not all counties getting together and, and saying, hey, let's kick this thing off together because – realistically, you know, all three counties are in regions together, they'll be competing together and it to keeps you guys all in the same playing field.
6: Yeah, you know, I think it's uh like with with Dorchester District Two, you know, they're having their graduation uh yesterday, today and tomorrow. You know, Somerville graduated Monday, Fort uh was today and the Asha Ridge is tomorrow. So, you know, they're trying to kind of get get it, you know, uh, you know, really really celebrate that class of twenty twenty and you know, not not worry about, you know, um, you know coaches and all that kind of stuff and you know, trying to figure out you know how to follow guidelines and all that kind of you know just kind of getting them out of the way and and really you know to be honest with you I mean it's no hurry you know I mean we're just uh everybody's excited to do something uh that's really kind of the main thing but you know uh you know you and I have kind of talked about this before there's really no hurry to to kind of uh rush to do something and, and and mess everything up so you know um uh, because, you know, the, the players are going to have time to get in shape, you know, and we're just, um, you know, getting out there, you know, on the field, letting them run around a little bit just let them kind of sweat a little bit and kind of stretch their legs out a little bit and kind of, uh, um, you know, reintroduce things. So, other other teams, other schools will do that a little bit later, but, it, it, it's you know, everybody's still on the same same playing field. It's not giving anybody, like, an advantage, like, oh, we got a few more days and they didn't. But, uh, you know, I think uh, – um, <laughs> You know, Urban Meyer, you know, he came out and said, you know, if uh, they feel like if, you know, around that July 15th, you know, mid-July, if they had time, they could get their players in shape. I know that's college guys, but but still, you know, so that's – and that's like six weeks or five weeks from now, you know. So, um, you know, I think this, uh, you know, putting putting 2020, getting that, those those graduating classes and, you know, letting them uh, you know, get that graduation done and then and kind of moving on to – you know, now that they they've kind of opened it up and and uh, for for the schools to kind of you know enter that phase one, so they um you know I know I know the the likes of Somerville and Port Dorchester and Asher Ridge and you know they'll they'll be ready to go when when uh you know the district administrators decide that it's good for them to go to. I don't think they're I don't think they're they're waiting for any reason other than just you know let's get the the graduating class uh, the seniors graduated and give them their proper goodbye and uh, i'm glad they were able to do it uh in person you know it it, it is funny though um I, I will say this uh to kind of see all these uh um schools graduating on the uh the football field you know with uh you know like in somerville and fort and ash ridge's case you know they got four, five, six hundred graduates sitting out there on the field spaced out but uh you know when it, when it's time to work out when you start stretching you can only have nine <laughs> so on, on that same field you know so it's uh yeah that's just you know uh, I understand what the high school league's doing you know they 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 want to give us the uh uh you know as safe as possible for the kids and you know give us the best opportunity to get back and play games when the fall gets here but uh yeah the um it's uh the guidelines are a little different but something we're getting getting used to and you know it's uh kind of take it day by day and make your adjustments you know that's that's what we're used to making those uh in game adjustments so to speak. Live right now with the head coach of the Oceanside Land Sharks, Joe
2: Call. I've got to say that slow because, Coach, I've said it for so many years and had to follow up with Somerville, so I'm getting used to the transition here as much as you guys are getting (laughs) used to the transition with some of the new rules and regulations. Uh, We talked to a young man that's in Alabama. He's a high school junior coming up senior, and he checked in uh, right outside the Auburn area, one of the local high schools, last week. They have to wear masks. kind of give us – some of the, uh, I guess, kind of walk us through. They get there, and what happens from there, math? What, what are the regulations? What are kind of the rules that they have to follow uh, in this new procedure as we get into different sections before we get to the season?
6: Yeah, you know, as the the, the players are, are uh, coming to the school and uh, leaving the school, and even if they're, uh, you know, kind of moving between the different uh, working stations, you know, we're, we're – they need to be wearing a, a mask or a face covering, you know, just to, you know, and we don't want them grouping together. But they're staying in their groups of nine. You know, it's, it's nine guys uh, in a group. And, and as they're movement. Once they start working out, you know, they, they can take their mask off. And, uh, but coaches have to have a mask on the entire time. The coaches, the trainers, the student trainers um, have to have the mask on the entire time. And it's, it's one coach per group. And, uh, you know, when, when, when that coach kind of moves their, their group to the next station, you know, we're – Sanitizing, uh, hand sanitizer, or, or you know, kind of, you know, we're allowed to use some some weight equipment, but you know, we have been have meetings and preparations all last week and the week before that, you know, stuff like that to to kind of how we're going to sanitize everything. But, you know, it's uh, you know, as far as the players wearing masks while they're working out, they don't have to do that. But, you know, when they're when they're coming and going and kind of moving around, you know, they they put their mask back on as they're, you know, using their own water bottles. Um, you know, they are not allowed to share water bottles or anything like that. You know, not that they would ever share water bottles anyway. You know, the ones who bring their water bottles, uh, uh, they've, they've kind of always done that. But it's just, uh, you know, we're not using the water troughs right now, you know, the water dogs. Um, but, uh, like, our, we do have student trainers there. Like a student trainer, it you know, will refill, you know, uh, a water bottle for a player. if they uh, If they drank their entire gallon jug of water, uh, we do have a student trainer there to to refill it. So, the um, you know that that's pretty much the, the just uh, you know in in like you know in, in each working station you know you you keep the the kids yes separated apart in their their area their their facility or their you know wherever they're at and uh you know whether well, that's like a field you know and I, I heard uh, a couple of coaches on some interviews and you know they're saying you know it's it's tough on. Schools that have situations where they're they're limited with the number of fields they have, because really like one field is considered one working station, you know, and, um, you know, one weight room is one working station. So, uh, you know, just just trying to follow those guidelines and make sure we we do, you know, what the uh, what the recommendations are, what the you know, the. you know what they want us to do. The requirements to kind of stay safe and kind of keep the kids and and, and that's why we had a meeting with uh, with our parents as well. You know because the parents are concerned about sending their kids back. You know what they want to know what each school. We're, all right, you know we we know what the high school league says. Now what are we going to do specifically? Because really every school's situation is different. You know kind of like every family is different. But uh, you know what, what what's our school going to do uh, to keep our kids safe and to follow the guidelines of phase one and. You know, and uh, so you know, um, you've had Mark Meyer, our athletic director. You've had him on before, and uh, you've had some of our coaches. And you know, we he does a great job. Just uh, you know, once all the the guidelines came out, that we we sat down as a staff, and you know, we we, we laid it all out, and you know, to make sure we're following it to a T. And you know, we got a great great training staff, athletic training staff, to make sure we're uh, you know you know they're doing the the temperature checks as the players get there, and and uh, you know kind of checking all their, you know, making sure they don't have any symptoms and stuff like that. So it's a little different for everybody, but, uh, you know, really after two days, you know, it's gone, gone smoothly. You know, it's kind of looking around and, you know, um, uh, it's really like, all right, we need to rotate players a little bit better, Um, you know, going from one station to the next. And, you know, uh, with the players, you know, you got to – it seems kind of uh, at times you got to keep reminding them, look here, guys, don't group together. You know, don't group up. You know, they want to kind of group together, and they want to high five each other, and they want to, you know, just kind of like push each other. And it's like, hey, if we do. Let's just don't group together right now. You know, let's just, uh, you know, kind of stay apart and, you know, clap your hands and cheer for each other. But uh, you know, so that's that's really kind of been like the, the the one thing is like, you know, the guys want to kind of like hug up on each other. You know, they want to kind of like, you know, give each other high fives and man, just encourage each other. So the uh, but um, you know, it's just a process, like I said. But you know, the one thing we keep keep stressing to them. And uh you know and and I know every coach is I, i'm I'm hearing them is that let's do what we're supposed to do in order to achieve what we want to achieve, which is safety for our kids first and foremost and our coaches, and therefore uh you know lead us back to where we can actually you know be able to have a football season and in fall sports and return to school and you know if everybody wants to return to normal, all right do what the experts are telling us to do you know um you know i got a I got a doctor right here in the house and You know, every time we pull up and getting ready to take uh, our own kids or something into a a store, she's like, "Everybody put your mask on." You know, and you know, and when our kids have been, well, not everybody's wearing a mask, and well, we're going to wear a mask because that's what the the experts are telling us to do. So, um, you know, just following those guidelines and you know, and uh, and and, and really, you know, kind of keep you got to. It's going to take constant encouragement to those kids to to keep reminding them, put your mask on. You know, sanitize your hands. You know. Um, make sure we're we're you know stand six feet apart you know make sure we 're not grouping together you know so uh you know things like that but it's a uh you know i think pretty much everybody uh whenever they go back is is going to be you know realize that you know this is the best thing to do in order for us to to get back so the um, you know it, it it's a little uh interesting but you know i i think we're we're really kind of the perfect uh uh you know kind of profession for you know, I say profession, kind of sport, kind of, you know, with, with sports, uh, you know, kind of handle kind of everything that's going on, really, I mean, uh, you know, kind of a lot of things, because you talk about, you know, being able to make in-game adjustments and monitor and adjust as you go and, and be able to adapt to to, to your opponent. And uh, COVID-19 is our opponent right now. So, you know, we're we're adapting to, to, to all those different, uh, um, you know, things and uh, challenges that, that, that you know, throws at us. So, um You know, so I I think everybody's going to be able to to handle that. You know, not just football, but but all sports. I mean, you're seeing, you know, fall sports such as volleyball, you know, some basketball is going to get cranked up, um, you know, and and as they move into, you know, through the summer, I think it'll get, you know, if everybody's following it, we'll move from phase one and then the high school league will will eventually feel, um, you know, where they can open up phase two and we'll just kind of go from there.
3: Well, Coach Call, this is uh, Eugene. I was uh, listening in here and, and trying to get the uh, uh, Twitter going and everything else. Uh, yeah, I've been actually texting you. As you saw, there have been some updates on uh, a couple of your boys for tomorrow. And, uh, man, I, I know they're really excited. I was actually just uh, walking back. uh was over here kind of doing a mental walkthrough with Spencer and Coleman in Mount Pleasant. You know, and I said, hey, I'm, you know, just texting the coach, call, man. Maybe he can come see you guys. And So they're kind of hoping if you're done with the uh, other practice, you can make it out at some point. Um, it looks like what Cole's going to do, because Charleston's kind of a bigger thing, is going to be that they are uh, going to space them out. So it looks like uh, your underclassmen guys, um, Coleman and Will, are going to be early in the morning, 8.30, uh, charting to 10.15 or so. And then uh, – you know, your upperclassman Spencer is going to be after that, but um, as well as Zach Champagne, your snapper, who was in uh, Charlotte today. But um am sorry about that. I was just uh, checking with them and trying to make sure everything's straight. But uh, it looks like it's going to be hosted now in Mount Pleasant. I was telling Richie, you know, Coach Sybert, and the, actually you helped me get his information. Everything he was all set to go to kick at Woodland tomorrow, and he called me about two o'clock, really upset. Just said the board, you know, they had to move their graduation to the field, and it was going to be tomorrow instead so of Thursday due to weather, but. Uh, Man, I know I know the boys are, you're, you know, your, your goon squad, as I call them, your specialists have been on the road. You, we've been in Ohio. Uh, one of, you know, Spencer finished second in Ohio, and I know you're real proud of him. And, I, you know, I tell them, you know, second place is a little bit smaller trophy, and tomorrow we expect a big trophy as well as uh, you got two going to Orlando on Friday. Uh, Zach Champagne, the snapper, was up in Charlotte today. He'll be in uh, Mount Pleasant competing tomorrow, but, just wanted to let you know that uh, the boys know that you and I were Texan, and, you know, if you can make it, they, they'd love to have you there. I, they know that you're uh, cheering them on from afar when they're out of state in Florida, Ohio, and Tennessee. But um, just wanted to let you know the boys uh actually – and I got three of them listening in tonight because they knew you were coming on. It,
6: yeah, absolutely. You know, right right here in, in Mount Pleasant, you know, we can uh, you know bow through. That's why I asked you for the address and said send it to me so we can uh, – I can bounce over there. I like to see these guys in, in, in action because uh, you know it's been you know uh, and great just following what you put up on uh, social media with those guys and what they're doing and you know taking them out to you know in Ohio and you know talking with uh, with Zach about what he's doing with staffing and all that and you know uh, you know coaches uh you know don't don't really until. You know, you got guys of our caliber. Like, really, like uh, I appreciate how special that is. You know, and then when you see these guys, like, man, top rated, man, going all over the country, doing, doing their thing. And, uh, you know, and and I was talking. Uh, I've had Coach O, our, our new defensive coordinator, he and uh, his son Zay, have been uh staying with us at our house uh, since Saturday. You know, because he's still making that transition. So uh, he stayed here, and he and I've been talking a lot of ball and having conversations. And uh, I tell you, this is this is awesome. Uh, when I when I showed him. You know, some of the, your tweets and stuff from, from this past weekend about up in Ohio. You know, that's uh, every defensive coordinator's favorite player on the team is the kicker when they're kicking touchbacks. And I was like, look how many touchbacks he's, you know, kicking and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, well, everybody's starting on the see, You know, the defensive coordinators, uh, you know, I mean, they, you know, even, even though they're, you know, uh, on the defensive side of the ball over there, you know, worried about stopping offenses, they, they know – kickers and, and good specialists and, uh, you know, the, the importance of having their you know, good solid special teams can definitely flip the field and put it in our favor and, and you know, make our opponents play with their back to the wall. And uh, especially when you can hit those touchbacks. And, uh, you know, you yeah. Hit, and Spencer, uh, like, you know, like I told you earlier,
3: you know, Spencer had hundred kickoffs last year, which is almost unheard of. And the, the touchback percentage would actually be up, but there were several games where they had deep returners, like when we played Gray we had, I think, nine kickoffs in that game, and only one was an actual kickoff deep. And he actually put it out of the back of the end zone of the fiddle. The rest of them were pooch kicks and squib kicks. There were two guys in that field that, that nobody wanted to kick to because they were dangerous. But you know, and and I told, and I, I keep reminding them. I said, you know, your average so far coming from January is about sixty-four yards. Spencer's deep, uh, deep kick was sixty-nine yards with a four-four hang time, and that was done at IMG and. You know, they emailed them. IMG emailed them this week, and I told them, I thumped them, and I said, Coach Call wouldn't be happy. You better delete that email. man. you're not going anywhere. But, uh. <laughs> no, it, it, <laughs> and that's, that's the sure. thing. That's, so we were talking about that, and we were talking about defense coordinators, and I'll tell you something really interesting that you'd appreciate because you and I had a meeting when it came to training your punters. Um, so this year, starting this year on the national circuit for calls and kicker ratings, they are making the punters on film roll out Five yards stop take a step at six and punt 35 yards down the field and hit a 12 yard by 12 yard square at the corner right inside the 12 yard line in the end zone on film because that's what they said college coaches have asked to see so I thought that I, I shared <laughs> that with you that was something we learned in Ohio that Coles is now filming oh, wow. every charting session for punters and they're having them do that and they have 1.5 seconds to get the ball off from the time they catch it, and it's timed. And you get eight, you get eight punts. You get the mulligan one, two out of the two are counted for that. And you, if you hit the end zone, you, if you hit that target, you get five points. So the goal is to get ten points. And Spencer was one of five, and the one he missed was a one. He was about maybe a half a yard off. Poor kid, but uh you know and so that's a new thing i knew you were you're kind of fancy the punters and, and that type of game, but that's a new thing that college coaches have requested this year that Coles film and judge uh punters on
6: yeah that's uh that, that's pretty specific <laughs> you know that's uh you know getting getting down to you know, the the very uh nitty gritty there but i guess you know the if you know you know special teams coordinators um, you know who you know, they they know what you know. Y'all, and I say they. I mean you. Like y'all, y'all know what you're talking about. Y'all know the importance of of having someone who can who can do those types of things because of what it'll do for your team. You know, and you know, and and that's why they want to say, all right, we're going to be this specific, and we want a kid who can specifically do this because this this is what's going to help us win championships and, and be a championship team year in and year out by having, you know everything down to, to a T, <laughs> you know what I mean? To, you know, dot, dot nose I's and crossing those t's, you know, all the way down to, you know, we want to make sure, you know, you can handle, you know, and, and a lot of that is, you know, not, not only a, a, can you do this, but it's like, like, like B mentally, can you process, you know, what what we're trying to get you to do and why we're trying to get you to do it? You know what I mean? So, you know, exactly. I think that, that no. that's probably a lot of it too.
3: And that was actually um, one of the things that uh, the guy that trains, uh, he, he handles the coals for North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, is Tony uh, Guglielmo, and he's been on our, our show. He's actually up at River Bluff. And, you know, he and I were discussing that, and he said, actually, if you want to fine-tune it, what college coaches are looking for when they're looking for that guy. And most colleges will give a scholarship to an incoming freshman punter before they will a kicker because it's just such a different skill and a different athletic, you know, ability and being able to catch and, and things like that but what they're looking for too also and this is kind of neat is when they're looking for that guy that roll out or, or for let's just say you're staying in the middle of the field directional punt you got to kick it left deep left deep right or that rollout they don't want to see you swinging across your body if you swing across your body you get a big red X and the reason why is you swing across your body and the the punt coverage team is called a deep right return I mean a deep right coverage and you swing across your body, you kick it in the middle of the field, somebody's going to get yelled at yep. because there's a guy. You're that's in gonna trouble. Yep. The ball, he's going to break right and he's gone. There might be one guy yep. that's going to chase him to the sideline if you're lucky. And so that's it. You know, the college coaches are actually sending that down to us as trainers and saying this is why I don't want that because you get my butt fired, man, if your guy's kicking it across <laughs> his body and we call a, you know, we call a coverage of a deep right and he kicks it in the middle of the field and I got one guy maybe – to try to get there. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's getting, yeah, that's it's, true. the analytics of that are getting really, really technical.
6: Yeah. You know, and, um, um man, I just – you triggered a thought there, kind of like, a, you know, with your – you're talking about the, the specifics of it, you know, and, you know, we were talking about kickoffs, you know, touchbacks and stuff like that. and But, you know, there, there are a lot of times to where, you know, um, you, you don't necessarily just need a, a kid with a big leg who's going to kick – Kick touchbacks, or you know, you know, anticipating them kicking a touchback or whatever. But you know, sometimes, like you were saying, you know, you want to like you know, do a pooch kick, a sky kick, or you want to place a kick, because uh, you know, if you you design that coverage, like you just said, like a like a either right or left coverage, you know, you can pin them down there, you know, even deeper than a touchback, you know, and uh, you know, that just goes right along with showing that that skill of that that kicker being able to, you know, control where that ball is going. You know, kind of like what you're you know Sam right there with the the punter but the the importance of that so you just kind of triggered the thought there that's why I wanted to uh kind of throw that out but uh you know it's not always a uh, man it's not man we're gonna have you know all these touchbacks a lot of times like you you said earlier man it's you know you can create you know turnovers by you know little, little pooch kicks and sky kicks and placing kicks, and you know sometimes you know you want to you know kick a ball at a at at a, at a person who's not used to handling the football you know they might cough that ball up or something you know so
4: it's the, yeah. uh, we always look, it, it's definitely, it's rubbish.
6: definitely, oh yeah. And it, it's definitely a, uh, you know, in colleges see the, uh, I mean, they know for sure the the importance. And i tell you one, one thing, I, I certainly understand and appreciate the importance of, of what you do and work and how you work with, with these kids. You know, and I, and I tell you, you know, I tell this to everybody, what's, what's special is, you know, you spend a lot of time with, with our, our kickers here at Oceanside, but man, you, you're all about developing, you know, any kid you can, you know, out there, you know, who wants to to be a better kicker and get the fundamentals and have a chance to go to the next level and you know, and, you know, and you, you, uh, you know, I, and I did. I don't even, you know, know if you knew how much I, I you know, even appreciated you asking me that time. But he's like, coach, I got another kid from, you know, another school that that would like, you know, me to work with him. Are you okay with that? You know, and I was like, man, anytime you get a chance to work with a kid. You know, try to help them get to the next level and learn and to be a little bit better, man. That's that's like fantastic. And uh, you know, we're certainly lucky to to you know, have you working with our guys and man the the work ethic of our guys that they put in. You know, I mean they they believe in you and buy into you and buy into to all the places you go and you know, they see the results of it too. So you know, thank you for that. So I just want to take a take a chance to be able to say that. No problem. And 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 I texted
3: uh, your strength coach, Coach Gates, is a buddy of mine, and and, and I'll turn you over to Richard real quick. But uh, one thing I wanted to tell you, so so we bought all these strength bands and these things you can tie over the door. Uh, we started uh, some of the things that Parker White, you know, travels with. He's the kicker for uh, yeah. the Gamecocks. He comes home and works with us and. Elliot Fry has been working with us too at, at Park West, and and when I say us, that's the Oceanside Kickers and Lucy Beckham Kickers that I train. Um, and now, like you said, you know, you didn't mention, but you know, I'm doing Stratford and uh, Ashley Ridge. But um, you know, and, and so the boys have packed up the strength band. So when we're done tomorrow with the uh, the local, well, it's a national rating, and we get on the road to Orlando, we're actually going to uh, set up in the we got a suite reserved. That's going to be a, a mini uh, strength room. So when we get in, they can do uh, their stretching, Epsom salt baths, and then go to the strength bands over the back of the door to get ready for Friday <laughs> kitchen. So they're not—they're not, they're, they're not playing Fortnite. I promise you, <laughs> Coach. Uh, you know your boys. While, while they haven't been there, uh, they're definitely not playing Fortnite.
6: <laughs> oh, I know that. Heck yeah, man. They're, uh, you got—you got to take care of those legs. Yeah, you, know, you and I talked about that before. About you know, maybe kicking them at the right time and not over kicking them, and proper training. So, hey, that that you y'all y'all are the professionals in that area. So yeah, yeah, we we know y'all working for sure. Well, no
3: problem. And then uh, you know, I'll, I'll have your boys done. We get back Friday night, I think, from Orlando, um, and then they're done for a little bit until the national combine, um, and, and that's the elite scholarship went up in Tennessee in July. And, uh, you know, but uh, next week, uh, one just actually just walked in the door. We'll be turning them back. I'll be turning
6: your boys back over to you next week. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing you all tomorrow. So, yeah, right here, right here in Mount Pleasant. So, that'll be good. will see you guys in action tomorrow. it will be great. All right, Coach. Well, you have
3: a great night, man. And I'll, I'll be on
6: the horn. I'll
3: just uh, let Richie do his thing.
2: All right. See you, Eugene. <laughs> Thanks. Coach, uh, as always. We appreciate you coming in here, hanging out. I want to give Eugene a chance to talk to you. I know, uh, you know, what people don't know about yeah. Coach Carl, he's actually uh, – you're, you're a pretty smart special team guy yourself. Uh, up here in Somerville, you've coached the special teams for many years. Uh, that's kind of something that I, I would remember, you know, uh, when that whistle would blow and you would kind of come from the side wherever you were and, and special teams were something very close to your heart. What is it about a head coach that he stays in tune with special teams as much? Uh, before I get you out there, I just want to kind of get you to touch on why did you pick special teams when you were, of course, a quarterback? You know receivers, you know that offensive side, but it was special teams that you kept under your hat uh, when you, of course, able to hand out some other responsibilities.
6: <laughs> hey, well, uh, a couple reasons there. I think the first reason is so the head coaches kind of feel like they're actually doing something when you're out there on the practice field because <laughs> yeah, uh, your your assistant coaches and coordinators out there coaching so hard. And I was like, man, I need to be involved somehow. But uh, I you know. I like, you know, kind of heading it up and not, not heading it up, you know, but just kind of being involved with it. Cause, uh, I, I can pick the personnel, you know, uh, you know, you get two, two coordinators, uh, an offensive defensive coordinator or coaches, they'll be bickering back and forth about they don't want a certain kid on setting well one up when the head coach wants you, you're starting linebacker on the kickoff team. He's going to be on the kickoff team. Yeah. You know, Cause you want guys who could, you know, cover. So you, you kind of win those arguments. So that, that's probably another reason, but, uh, and also, really, the kind of the main reason, because uh, you know, as a head coach, I learned from my granddad is, uh, you know, you're looking at the the entire game, the the whole spectrum, offense, defense, and special teams, and and uh, you know, as a coordinator, you're really kind of focused on one side of the ball, or, or you, know, you are focused on one side of the ball, and as a head coach, you got to think about all three phases, and uh, you know, my granddad just always really stressed special teams, so I kind of learned from an early. Early age as a young coach, uh, you know, the, the you know, you better spend time working on those special teams, and because uh, those are going to be uh, difference uh, differences in a lot of games and winning and losing. And, and it comes down to, the, you know, something you know like you know, you know, analyzing you know how many how many punts do you actually catch on punt return rather than letting it hit the ground and you know the ball bouncing backwards. You know, I mean, so you're, you're constantly analyzing uh, you know all three phases of the game. So it's a you know something I just learned from him, and and I love being being a part of it. It kind of you know gives me kind of an active role as a as a coach to be able to you know really you know you know let the the coordinators kind of you know develop the scheme, you know the plan of attack, the game plan for our opponent. But uh you know I get to do it from the special teams side of it, and you know I I really like having somebody, not just to sit there and do it by myself, but you know somebody who I can you know really sit down and and, and study it with, you know, and not and be taking away time from, you know, the game preparation for offense or defense and, you know, just bring those guys in to say, all right, here's our scheme, you know, you're going to help me kind of coach it up here. So it's a, uh, you know, because it, it, it's good to have those guys focus on their thing, you know, and, and you know, kind of gives, gives us something as head coaches to really focus on and, you know, kind of be involved in, you know.
2: Well, coach, as always, we appreciate it. And I don't know whether or not you heard or not, but we're actually uh, we, we we finally got everything put together with the high school blitz. And you know, a good friend of yours is the athletic director up there, Coach Heimburg, with uh, Woodland. We're actually going to be doing a combine on the twenty seventh. That junior combine that you've heard a lot about on the show. Uh, so uh, you, you know, get the word out to your guys coming up juniors to uh, to show out that twenty seventh. It's a Saturday at nine o'clock. Uh, we're going to have a lot of great things there. Of course, uh, you know, I'd love to have you come up as well. But uh, you know, I oh, think yeah. it's just going to be a great opportunity for these guys to work out and, and and get not only Charleston, coach, but but the reason I went to Woodland is because of geographically we can really reach out to Orangeburg down there to Edisto and of course uh, Buford. Those guys feel
6: like we leave them out a lot of times. And
2: you played, you you coached that field just last year. You know it's a pretty good field,
6: right? Oh heck yeah, yeah. When it comes to you know the the synthetic turf field, the artificial turf field, that's the best one around. Yeah, Coach Stafford did it right. He did it right. He got the best one around. (laughs) Well, he said he'd have the mic ready. He'd
2: have the the jumbotron on. And anything we need, he would be happy to help us out. So We have food trucks. We're going to make it a festivity, but it's going to be an opportunity because, like I keep saying on this show, if they say this is like a hurricane, right, and and this could be the eye of the storm, I want to get our kids at least an opportunity to get some numbers under them for their recruiting and anything that we can do, of course, with Ken Brown and High School Blitz to work together. Uh, for our community, man, that, that's what it's all about. And I know we're going to see some of your kids and, and definitely looking forward to seeing all, right. all the kids around the listening
6: area. Yeah, absolutely, man. Coach Iver, they're going to be playing some good music, too. Boy, they're going to be jamming out. That big old uh, <laughs> jumbo, jumbo. Uh, the big board they got. Boy, they can play some music. Well, Coach, appreciate you, man. We uh, always Thank
2: enjoy you. getting you in here. Thanks for getting us all the information we needed for uh, what's happening we're going to get you back. We're going to get you back, I think, next uh, Tuesday. We'll try to maybe schedule back at 7 and get a week report. And, and, and as we try to transition from the first to the second to the final stages here, getting back to uh, normal in high school football, I'd like to get an update from you guys over there at, uh, of course, Oceanside.
6: All right. Sounds good, man. See you guys. See you, Richie. See you, Eugene. Appreciate you guys.
2: Thank you very much. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank the head show. coach, Of course, uh, from Oceanside Academy. Of course, he is uh, the new head coach over there uh, with the Land Sharks. Uh, I I think a lot of great things are going to come out of this, and we're excited uh, to see what he can do. Of course, he was at Somerville for many, 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 many years. Not only did he play there, Uh, he coached as uh, as multiple roles at multiple levels and then ended up becoming the head coach uh, where he won a district championship there over there, the region, if you will. Uh, for Somerville, first team in like 10 years to beat poor Dorchester. So, I mean, there is that on the horizon with his resume. But uh, a five-star coach, an even better man off. Uh, we got to take a quick break. We're going to try to check up with Jim Baxter. He, of course, is the SD Varsity. He's going to try to get in here at some point. But we got to reset some batteries. we got to do some things, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Block Talk Radio. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I'm going to take my horse to the uptown town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back, Horse stock is attached. and is mad black. Got the boots is black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that forest now. Nah, nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Riding on a tractor, lean all in my bladder. Cheated on my baby, you can go and ask. My life is a movie, but riding. From Gucci, Wrangler on my booty Can't nobody tell me nothing A lot of Money on my brand new guitar. Baby's got a habit. Diamond rings and Fendi sports bras. Riding down Route in my Maserati sports car. Got no stress. I've been through all that. I'm like a monster.
2: Back back, everybody. I'm Rich Elman, alongside the coach Eugene Benton here, coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina, the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studio. Of course, you can check out the factory. It is open as we speak. I know these guys and girls are getting after it from basketball to football to baseball, you name the sport. They're training that sport right over there at 5913 Loftus Road in Hanahan, South Carolina. The number to call, 843-573-7391. Now, the phone line's here. Are open. Of course, the Temp Farm sponsors our hotlines. You can call in at 323-784-9681. We're live right now. You can call in at 323-784-9681. Getting a lot of feedback, Eugene, uh, from, of course, our uh, 630 drop by, of course, Reginald Walker. I know that uh, you're doing a great job uh, kind of covering the interview process as I bring in these coaches and I bring in former players in college and, and different things. And, and they're saying things. You're quoting them. You're putting it out there. And, and I understand. Listen, I understand you want to come to the defense of Dabo Sweeney. If you're a Clemson fan, I, I don't expect anything else. But, but nobody's taking a stab at Dabo saying he's a bad guy. Nobody said that on this show. So before you get sensitive about it, just understand. It's an observation from a non-Clemson fan base. It was an observation from a gentleman who is not a Clemson fan who, by the way, played college football at a high level at Penn State, by the way. So just say it. You know, he spent a lot of time in a lot of locker rooms. He understands certain things, and he just made, you know, I would say uh, an overall mm, observation. But yet I'm not doubting that Dabo Sweeney is probably not one of the best gentlemen walking on this earth because I think Dabo is a great guy. But he brought up a good point. Dabo is not known for bringing paperwork with him. He's just not. He's a heartfelt, genuine five-star dude. And I still think he is unusual for Dabo to have his notes and like. You know, some guy said, well, he's given a 15-minute conversation. Well, he probably needs to have some, some, some bullet points. Well documented, well said. I I agree. Why not? But I do ask the question, Eugene, because we're waiting to see if Jim Jackson whether he did say he's traveling, so there may be some reception area there, issues. But I, I do have the question to say, what if, what if this was, let's say, I don't know, the guy in Columbia who Will Muschamp is not even getting into a bowl game, who has struggled – realistically since he's been in Columbia to win over some of the games that maybe he should have won and lost a few games uh, along the way. But what if this situation was in Columbia? Do you think it's a different conversation for the fan base? Oh, yes. And there's no, there's no doubt.
3: I'm not saying that, 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 uh, Will wasn't genuine, but he was marching the streets with the players um, and, and was very vocal about his thoughts and opinions, but you have to look at the demographics of Columbia versus Clemson. And uh, typically uh, the demographics of the student population, they're vastly different from Columbia or from USC and Clemson. Now I'm not saying that that either coach was only pandering to their student base or their fan base. Uh, And and like you said, I think Dabo is a very genuine guy. Now on the other side of that with uh, Dabo is – You know, he may have brought notes because he more than likely with this type of situation, I'm going to guess based on my education experience, someone probably said, whoa, 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 before you go and speak, you've got to speak to one of the lawyers. And that was because of some tweets that Tuttle put out there, um, and the thought of is that maybe there might be a potential lawsuit coming. And or, or something like that. Or it could be. But if you're a board of trustee member, and before someone goes out and speaks on behalf of your university, I'm going to guess that they probably, I would say if if it were me, I would have advised a, a for uh, DABO to speak with counsel as well. I'm not saying that's what happened, but you got to think about it. You know this, that could lead to serious repercussions financially. So I'm, I'm sure he was advised to speak with counsel, or they had him speak with counsel. Maybe that's why he bought, brought notes so he could say at least hit on the points that someone advised him. Because he is a guy that speaks from right. his heart. I've seen the dude. I've seen the dude get up there and cry. I've seen the lip quiver. I've seen him get upset. I've seen him yell at people. I've seen him happy and love on people. You know, I've seen him praise God when. ESPN and other news networks would just cut away from it the moment he's he mentions God. But, and that's, nice. that is his real conviction, and I think he loves everybody. I, I can't say that he's this way or that way. I can't say that he, you know, uh, features or promotes one guy over the next or anything like that. Um, this is a guy in his track record, and I say this as a Gamecock graduate, who has given more and more opportunities to kids who wouldn't have an opportunity. And I was fortunate enough to speak with a parent of a young man from Florida, and the genuineness of this kid, this interview or what this mom said was he came to their house in a not-so-nice neighborhood, in a not-so-nice part of town, in a city in South Florida, and he handed over his business card, and on the back had his home address, his home phone number, his personal cell phone number, and that of his wife. and the chill, the, the young man didn't have a father figure, uh, no real male figure in his life other than his high school coach, and just said, "Give him to me for four years, I'll be his father. And if any question comes up, if you need anything, here's all the numbers. you can't reach me here. you can call my house, you can call my wife. you know and, and he shared the story of how he grew up with his dad's situation. And the mother was in tears, and she just said, I just trust him. And he's created that type of trust level in relationship with people who don't look like him, meaning the, you know, I don't want to say the opposite color, but a different color than him. And so I really, I don't believe that's in his heart. I just think that, you know, what people are watching is, yeah, did he bring out a piece of paper for the first time and, I respect Reggie, too, and I'm not disagreeing with Reggie because when Reggie was saying that, I'm kind of nodding my head along and agreeing. I'm just thinking from the legal side, I'm going to imagine he was probably advised by the board to speak with their general counsel, and he probably had to hit on – they told him you need to at least mention a few certain things because, as we all know, these things can can, – spiral out of control and end up in federal court, in federal lawsuits for discrimination or uh, you know, a lot of other things that could be a even bigger damper on the university. And so I think him coming out um, probably had something to do with that. Like I said, I don't know for sure, but just being in that side of the world or in the legal field, I have to imagine that that conversation had, had happened
2: at some point. Right. And, and to kind of give some indication of what Eugene does, of course, he has his, his kicking academy that's part here affiliated with Southern Sports Central. He does a lot of consulting. And, and, and of course here at Southern Sports Central, we try to help as much as we can. If we're not training kickers. We're, we're we're exercising on Saturday mornings from 11 o'clock to three o'clock like we did this past weekend where we got a bunch of athletes for about five or maybe I think we had a total of seven high schools and six colleges represented on Saturday with my, ourselves and, and a lot of great folks from uh, Fort Norchester were out there as well. And uh, uh, one of the fathers from Somerville was there helping out, and not only did we train them, uh, they also got fed. So, so we the big picture is what we're about, all right? Now, back to Eugene, he's also a paralegal, all right? So he's not just coming at you with his opinion from just some dude that stayed up and watched Law & Order last night. And he didn't stay in a Holiday Inn, or at least he didn't last night. He might have stayed in one on Saturday when he was in Ohio, but that being said, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due, all right? And, again, I'm a Dabo dude. I, I'm all about it. Dabo, even though I'm a Gamecock, you know, just like Eugene, he, here's the thing. Dabo could have came to my living room, had Jacob be a football guy, sat in my living room, and I probably would have given him the keys to Jacob's suitcase and said, take care of him, I'll see you in four years. That's how much I like Dabo. I'm also the guy that talks a little bit. You guys know that. I'm not the guy that would have went up there with my heart and let me speak because it probably wouldn't have gone as well. And I think Dabo's probably the same way. And I think that's why you saw his paperwork in front of him because I think he needed – I'm not going to say Dabo's an ADD kind of guy, but he sure has an ADD kind of aspect like I do and I am, right? But those guys are the loving guys. Like I feel like myself, we're going to go out, we're going to love on you. I don't know if I'm going to jump in a reporter's hand, but then again, I've never won a national championship, so I don't know. I might. Heck, I might jump on a girl's arms if I wanted a actual championship. I mean, heck, who knows what I would do, right? And, and I think that's kind of the moment. This is a guy who quotes, and I say this all the time, and I think this is his favorite quote that he's ever said that I always echo with iron sharpens iron, and when it sharpens, what happens? Sparks flare, right? Love that quote. Think it's one of the great ones that we live in. Do I think he loves his team? Does he love his players? I do. I just think that we have to kind of be careful. We're we're in an era right now, that, to be honest with you, and I love it. There's accountability everywhere you go because of social media. You need to think before you tweet. You need to think before you post. You need to think. But it's like washing your hands. You should have been doing this all along. You shouldn't be walking around being nasty. It's just that simple. But you shouldn't walk around being dumb neither. And so what this, you know, era that we're going through with COVID-19 and and the separation that you're seeing in a lot of communities, And we're going to talk about this for just a quick second, too, something that's happened in Olympic high school that I'm going to give uh, a lot of respect and honor to uh, a lady who is the athletic director over there, Stephanie Wilkerson, who's a big-time supporter, listener, and contributor to Southern Sports Central. She's the athletic director of Olympic high school there in Charlotte, North Carolina. She put this out here. She said, due to recent events occurring in in our nation during the past few weeks, Olympic will host a virtual town hall on June 9th, or that was today, at 3 p.m. for all of our student staff to discuss, identify ways to cope, and positively contribute to our community at large. I couldn't give her a bigger round of applause in that entire school district or that entire school campus. These kids out here are running. They don't understand what's going on. The kids are graduating uh, unprecedented times. I mean, you got other kids who who are just kind of following in different places. So thanks to social media and thanks to this world that we know now as virtual reality, and, of course, I I would imagine everybody jumped on on that same site that everybody else is doing right now where they're all able to see one another. I think that's great. And coaches and athletic directors, if you're listening to me, I I, want to see you follow suit. And I would like you to do this immediately. I'd like you to get your football players, your baseball players, your athletes, and your students, and, and, and have the conversation, guys. They're looking for guidance. They're looking for leadership. And in times like this, this is where they're in classes. This is where they're in football practice. This is when they're training. Right now, they, they haven't seen normalcy in quite some time. And, and yet we're dealing with not one epidemic, but we're dealing with a whole other side of things as well. And there's a lot of separation while there's some, some, some sitting still over here there's some movement over here. And so I'll tell you this, Olympic High School, the athletic department, led by, of course, Ms. Wilkerson, she is the uh, athletic director. I, I, Eugene, I think that's a first-class move. And, matter of fact, I had a conversation last night with a parent, and he mentioned this to me. He said, man, I just wish that we could get some of this stuff going because these kids are lost right now and they need some guidance. Uh, i I kind of let you kind of speak on the news I just released there from Olympic High School.
3: Yeah, and, and, you know, she had come on to the show before, um, and, and when we had some of the athletes on, she's very hands-on. You know, she seems like she, you know, her heart just bleeds for these kids, you know, and, and the program. And as we've had many athlete directors on before, um, e- even in our local area, they will tell you that it's bigger than just the school, you know, because when the football team trots out or the baseball team trots out, or the softball team, or the boys' basketball, the girls' basketball trots out. It's a representation of the alumni, uh, the parents, the grandparents of the kids on the floor, you know, the local businesses that pay for the signs and sponsor them. And for all the things that go on negatively around, it's the chance for people to just come in. And I think it was actually, um, if I recall correctly, it was actually Ashley Ridge. Uh, who did a great job of saying that, and said that you know every time uh, a ball is kicked or tipped or, or or someone jumps in the water swimming, you know it's a representation of memory of that. It was the whole we are, and it wasn't just the we are. Actually, Ridge, it was the we are community, and, and you know she does a great job. I think uh, at, there at Olympic and connecting um, and bringing people in. And, and every time there's an athlete that's featured, you know, she's always trying to do her best. And if you remember the story of the young man who was talking about how, you know, how much she had done for him and setting up visits and, you know, she she ended up uh, messaging us later and saying that she was basically almost in tears, you know, and she had no, I, I guess at the time she was doing her job, but she had no idea until she heard it live on the radio, just the impact she had on that young man and how much he felt indebted to her And I think the same thing is what she's doing for the community, not just in her own school, but again, how that school is a part of the the whole and how people are brought in uh, and and what it means to come in and just sit next to your brother or your sister. And that means, you know, people who live down the street from you, the same city, the same town, the same district as you. And like I said, you know, you've heard her, I've heard her. She's a very passionate woman and definitely someone that, you know, I'm sure Olympic is, is very grateful to have but she's someone that I could see, you know, possibly on, on one day being on a much, much grander scale, uh just because of what she brings to the
2: table. Now you talk about Cameron Smith was a young man that has got a great point average that would just shock you. Uh I'm telling you, out of your seat. This kid is indefinitely I mean, this kid has just not only speed on the football field that kills, he's got knowledge in the classroom that just sets it to the next level. He actually committed, I believe, over the weekend or at the end of last week to Navy. So he is committed. And I'm going to tell you what, guys, if you have a chance to commit now, you know your college, you know where you want to go. I don't blame these guys. You saw JJ doing up there in Myrtle Beach. He goes, of course, and commits to the University of North Carolina. I don't blame these guys. Get that part out of the way because you do not know what tomorrow is going to bring and to take that off your shoulders to take that out of your your conversation, your repertoire of, of what you're going to do next, they already know where they're going next. The only thing they need to worry about now between Cameron, and of course, and JJ, they, that's the wide receiver in Myrtle Beach, is the factor of what do we got to do to get ready to the next level? What do we got to do now to win a state championship at the level of the school that they're at there, uh, Coach?
3: Yeah, and if you remember that, like you said, there was a visit, and I think it was to a school in Florida. You know, he talked about how one of his favorite things – you remember this because you were so blown away by that because you're one of those athletes that, you know, <laughs> you threw a baseball real fast and they gave you good grades because of it. He, one of his favorite hobbies was he liked to read. <laughs> and if you you remember that interview now, your favorite hobby has never included the word read, <laughs> you know, unless it's Twitter and has something to do with sports. But, um, you know, when he said that, Yeah, and, and, right. and, and she didn't know how much it meant to the kid. But if you remember, he came on and he said he really wanted to take a visit, I believe, to a school in Florida. And because right. of her, she set that up and made it happen. And uh, when she heard that, you know, she just kept retweeting it. And then she sent us a message or something like that and just said, you know, I, I had no clue how much that meant to him. And, you know, and he's on the he and she. She actually sent us a message and said she was literally, literally crying, um, and that's because she she had no idea just how much of an influence that that made. That the kid wanted to make this visit, and like he said, she did all she could to make it happen. And like I said, I mean, she's a lady that that's a pillar for the school, pillar for the community. I know Charlotte's a big city, but she's standing out, and I think she's going to do more and more i mean she seems like the lady that probably never puts down her phone maybe she has two or three of them so that one's always charged and uh you know what a blessing that school has but you know while it's a blessing and with someone like that you know uh someone else is always going to come calling and maybe that's her calling to go do great somewhere else maybe it's to stay there at olympic but um i just that that's one of those stories where you and i had a senior on and that that's always been impactful and uh what a, what a great opportunity for this young man to take that uh, you know that's a three hundred and eighty thousand dollars scholarship to go to a service academy, you know, and then he'll go on and do great things, whether it be you know professional sports or or serving our country as a professional, and that's that's just such a great opportunity, and man, what that's a great story, and we'll definitely have to get him in and
2: follow up on that. Yeah, we're gonna try to get him in on Thursday. Uh, you know, we could try to get him in here tonight because of the fact that it looks like. It, Jim Baxter may or may not be able to join us here, and that's okay. Uh, we also are waiting to hear back, hopefully, from Ken Brown. When we released the news uh, about this upcoming um, combine coming up on the 27th, boy, he got off the phone quick, said, I got to go to work. We got a lot to do. And he started doing his thing. Of course, we started pushing out on social media. We got to go to break. Coming up, hour number three, hour three. How about that? Two hours are done. One hour is left, and you can call in. You can hang out with us. You can give us your thoughts, your opinion on What's going on in your world? The number to call in is 323-784-9681. There's a lot of great topics. There's a lot of things happening. We want to hear from you guys. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. You can find us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at S.O. Sports Central. We'll be right back, guys. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hour three is a fun of here now on Southern Sports Central, coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina, in the factory, sports, and fitness training studios. I am Richie Albman, alongside the coach Eugene Benton. this segment brought to you by our friends over at Gurns Pharmacy, located at 140 South Main Street in downtown Somerville. You can reach out to them by calling 843-873-2531, or you can look them up on the web at Gernspharmacy.com. It is the oldest, one of the oldest independent pharmacies. Uh, here in the great state of South Carolina. I believe it is the oldest pharmacy uh, here in Somerville. And I'm going to tell you what, while they've got all the pharmaceutical needs you need and you got to have, they also have the best hot dog in town, a milkshake in town, and that uh, glass bottle of Coca-Cola stuff. It's like walking back in time uh, when you walk in there because they've got knickknacks, old candies, you name it, they got it. So check them out. Make sure you let Ms. Barbie know that we sent you. Now, third Thursday, hopefully it's coming back to Somerville. When it does Eugene's going to have to get off the couch or get out of North Charleston. He's going to come up here. We're going to do a live show right there in front of Guerin's Pharmacy uh, on Thursday night. It's the third Thursday. We'll be on location there, and that'll be a lot of fun. We'll probably have some people stop by and, and uh, sit down. We will might come up and have some conversation with them. So, uh, so many great things are happening. Like we mentioned, going out of Hour 2 with the upcoming um, uh, event that's going to happen on the 27th, uh, the combine that's going to happen on the 27th up there at Woodland High School in Uh, right outside of St. George, South Carolina, right off Highway 78, where uh, we've partnered up with the High School Blitz and Ken Brown's guys, and our guys here are going to work together to put together a five-star situation to where these guys and girls, again, there could be some ladies come out playing some football and getting some speed under them and trying to get the numbers ready as they get ready for the upcoming uh, big game coming in December where you'll see these uh, squads kind of square up. And Coach Smitty will be there. Of course, he's a big time contributor to Southern Sports Central. I know he'll be excited to get here. And uh, we're actually, I think Ken's going to come to town on Friday. So we'll actually be in the community on Friday night, uh, possibly right here in Somerville. Uh, so, Eugene, you might as well plan on staying up this way with me, brother. We'll, we'll head over there to uh, the field on Saturday early morning. Because if it kicks off at nine, I, I'm thinking we're getting up there sometime around 5.30 in the morning to put things together. But uh, we're looking forward to we're gonna, you know, the app are there.
3: We're going to camp out. We're gonna camp
2: out behind the visitor
3: bleachers. We're gonna go to the night before. I got, a, I got a twelve man tent, and uh, I just need to, I need to text Cybert when we're done and say, hey, Rich and I are just gonna camp out. But uh, the problem is, man, we gotta get some, some type of way to get some better uh, cell phone coverage out there and some internet service because, you know, always, I'm always joking with him, just like Coach Wright out at Cross, man. We gotta get some better internet out there and they always laugh, and they say, well, there's a certain spot in the corner of the end zone. And I'm like, man, I can't stand in the corner of the end zone during a game. And so, uh, but no, we'll definitely go. Uh, that's what I was saying earlier. When you lost me for a little bit there, had some kids roll up. I know there's a bunch of juniors that I'm, uh, you know, involved with that are definitely following this, and uh, that first combine in the neighborhood, so to speak, uh, they're all interested, but – We'll definitely go up. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's a nice inn there in St. George. Maybe we can spend the night up there the night before.
2: Yeah, we're going to stay right here in Somerville. I'm, I'm going to nail that to the wall, man. You know, I'm going to let you camp out of there at St. George. We're it's 30 minutes, man. It's 30 minutes. I can hop, skip, and, and roll up 78 and be there in time uh, to, to get there. Now, sure. uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but I'm going to tell you this. Uh, there are some places to eat when we're there if, if you want to kind of dibble in it, but I've already lined up. I've got about three food trucks, and I'm talking these guys and girls can cook up with the best of them. I mean, we're going to have some good food ready for you. If you're, if you're a parent, you're going to come in there and watch your student, uh, your athlete there uh, participate in this event. So there will be some food there for you. Cybers already talked about the tents he's going to have out for us. You'll have the microphone hot first to, to MC this thing and, and put you where you need to go. There's going to be a lot going on. And uh, as the information comes out from Ken, as our registration, we're going to get that out to you as well. So you want to follow all of us on all of our communication, uh, social media handles as well. But it should be a lot of fun uh, as we're um, getting ready for a big event. I know, Eugene, tomorrow, uh, quickly, uh, what, if, what if there is a, a kicker somewhere and he wants to participate tomorrow? A- any chance he can get in at the last minute? I mean, is it too late? I don't know that it's too late, uh, but the registration fee just skyrocketed. Uh, They would
3: have to go online to Kohl's Kicking. That's Kohl's, just like the department store. It's uh, K O H L S Kicking. uh, dot com, and and go on there and register. And you click on for the, you scroll down to the camps and showcases, and uh, it's called the Charleston Showcase. And honestly, it really went up over the past day or so. I think it's four hundred and twenty-five dollars and that covers from 8 to 5. That covers your national evaluation. Uh, There are a team of kicking uh, experts that will be getting together um, in Wisconsin on June 20th that will come up with a ranking. You'll be ranked against the rest of the guys that put a boot on the ball throughout the whole entire nation. Um, Some of your kicks will be filmed. If there's a college that's interested, those will be sent out. Now, if you do well enough, you'll get the golden ticket to the nationals in July. That's up in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Every kick, it, all the kids that are invited to that, every single kick they make over this two-day thing in Tennessee gets sent out to every college in America. And that's Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and NAIA. And so that's kind of it's kind of like almost like a was it Charlie in the Ch- uh, chocolate factory where you're trying to earn the golden ticket. Um, fortunately. Uh, a bunch of the guys that I've trained have already gotten that ticket. But tomorrow is about, um, you know, up in their ranking. Uh, right now uh, with the guys that I trained, uh, you know, I've talked to him before, Spencer, he's a rising uh, junior. He's ranked 20th in the nation. Uh, we expect that to go up. He's a four-and-a-half star. He just competed and finished uh, second, second, and tied for first up in Ohio. Um, Coleman's a rising freshman. He's ranked number one in the nation. Both as a kicker and a punter, uh, there's a Lucy Beckham kid. It was a former Oceanside kid that um, he, he just transferred to Lucy Beckham for a couple of different reasons, but still working with us. Uh, he gets has got potential. If he can hit some good shots, man. He's gonna be he's gonna move up the rankings too. I mean, he's a rising sophomore, and I've seen him hit 65 yarders with a nice spiral with a five second hang time. Uh, so he should be featured. Um, Mr. Adam Beard, who's over at Stratford, who's been a punter. He's a rising senior. Today we went over a few things we did kind of a, a walkthrough with some limited kicks, you know, and he was putting out some 45, 46 yarders with over four hang time. He should get a good rating tomorrow, um, you know, and, and Will Vocal is a local kid that I'm working with. He he should get a, a decent rating on field goals. That's kind of his specialty. He's improved a lot. And then, uh, of course, you you heard Coach Cole and I talk about Zach Champagne. He's been a top twenty rated national snapper, long snapper uh, in the nation. He was up at Charlotte today with Cole, and he's driving back. They left about uh, about five o'clock to get home tonight, rest up, and he'll be snapping tomorrow uh, to improve or to uh, you know get his national ranking going into his junior year. So, but if there's anybody interested, uh, it. It's, we're kind of on the cusp because I think Miss Heidi is, is done for the day. Uh, she's kind of Cole's national secretary, and she handles all the reservations and getting people where they need to go. Um, but if somebody is out there and interested and would like to do it, uh, have them reach out to me. Uh, they can text me, 843-489-7756. I'll text the guys at Cole's and uh, see if we can't get somebody fitted in. Like I said, it's going to be a little expensive, it's uh, $425, but that will cover their national ranking. And if they do well enough, you know, they could possibly get invited to the uh, the big kicking game in, in um, Catlinburg, Tennessee in July.
2: No doubt about it. Eugene, of course, brings uh, his kicking academy to the show on a regular basis. And, and that's the thing that, that we love about Southern Sports Central is that we like to do. And, and this is what we feel like we separate ourselves from all the other radio service not only here in the low country but across the country that we we continue to find other avenues to partner with to grow with to use their platform with our platform to make it a mega platform and again the kicking academy is just one of many platforms that we have partnered with as you uh can tell that we not only work with you know jay over there with the south Carolina youth football association and, and how great is it because jay's part of the woodland family right and that's where we're going to be on the 27th. So it's all tied together. It's all one big happy family. And uh, we're working on right now, trying to get in here with Miss Wilkerson, uh, Miss Stephanie's hopefully going to, uh, if she can find some time, because she's not only an athletic director, which is a, a coach, an athletic director, an administrator, and many things at the school. She's also a mother of two daughters. So uh, she, she wears so many hats. Uh, so if she has time to put on her radio hat, she can get in here. We'll kind of ask her the question about, uh, not only the state of North Carolina opening up from the athletic director's point of view, because we did have that conversation with Reginald, but also with that town hall meeting that she had today. I, I think it would be great to hear from her some of the things that she talked about, because I think that takes it, it takes a lot of courage to do stuff like that. You know, that's one thing I heard about our show on Tuesday that we ran a week ago that it took a lot of courage for us to do that. And I said it didn't take any courage; it just takes prayer and trust, and, and you get guys in here and you do it for the right reason, and the good things continue to happen. And, uh, you know, Eugene doing what he does with his kickers, who, again, when Eugene's up in Ohio taking pictures, taking things and doing the things, not only is he covering the Kicking Academy, he's also covering Southern Sports Central. As you can tell through the world of social media during the shows, he is the man behind the the Twitter account right now. He is the man who is putting together the quotes and the things that that are talked about as uh, we, we kind of dial in and, and, and put together uh, a lot of things that, that's happening here right now because there is there going to be more. I, I really feel, Eugene, that while you see Iowa right now, and Florida State, Clemson, are on the forefront with a couple of things going on. I, I think this is probably going to be something that you're going to hear more of. More things are going to come out, and, and yet you know, you've seen football players uh, who are at high school level tweeting out things and, and not thinking or maybe being, uh, I'm not understanding because it will ruin your character right off the rip. But if that's who you are, unfortunately, Eugene, those kind of things come out. All right. You can only hide it for so long uh, and your character is shown during tough times through adversity. Uh, you know, the one thing that, you know, I, I say this with Southern sports central that Martin Luther King uh, quoted him back. Uh, one thing that he said back in uh, the day was, Instead of building walls, let's build bridges. And I think that's the thing that Southern Sports Central, I hope that what we can do here is we can build a bridge. I think that's what sports does in general. It builds a bridge. You heard us talking about this on multiple shows, and we're going to always kind of focus on this. Is don't just high-five our athletes on Fridays and Saturdays. You better love them on Sundays and Mondays and the other days at then as well. And I think that's one thing that you and I and a lot of those that we surround ourselves with continue to do as we uh want to hear from you tonight if you'd like to join us we'd love to hear you know anything on your mind the nba getting ready to kick back up in july their course getting things together uh you're uh, seeing some plans for baseball to kind of get their things together uh as well you know baseball is kind of one of those things that, that you know i would like to see it actually end in it right before football season you know i'd like to see them actually shrink that season uh i, I think it would make it more um I think it would mean more. You know, I think that's one thing about college football and the NFL, more so college, that you love it so much because you you get a dosage of it. You don't get it. It's not the long season like hockey and baseball and basketball of the NBA. You know, those seasons seem like as soon as they're over, they pick right back up, Eugene. Eugene, must be me uh, going through multiple avenues here. We're, of course, uh, coming yeah, to you live. We're going to take another break, guys. We'll come right back when we do that. We'll uh, find out about Eugene. I know he's multitasking. He's got this kicking camp going on. He's got uh, a lot happening. So we're doing multiple things, and we've got a lot of venues and a lot of things happening behind the scenes. With that being said, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll see if uh, yeah, Eugene's got anything on his mind, guys. Don't go anywhere. Coming up next, little more Southern Sports Central. Everybody, I'm Rich Elvin here live on Southern Sports Central coming to you live from the factory sports and fitness training studios. Of course, uh, this segment brought to you by our friends over at Music Man Barbecue, located at 112, 112 excuse me, East Railroad Avenue, up there in Monks Corner, South Carolina. You can check them out uh well right there in town, or you can give them a shout, 843-899-7675. That's the number to call, of course. Uh Talking about Monk's Corner, how about some good news coming out for Berkeley and the Sags and the baseball team, the athletic department, and the entire community? And uh, It came out earlier today. Uh, one of their players in the baseball program had a very serious ATV accident uh, over the December holiday, if I'm not mistaken here. Jordan Covent actually uh, suffered some very serious injuries today, though. It's a good day. Today, he's actually going home. He's got a long recovery, but boy, it's something about recovering at home that makes him so much better. So, we ask that you continue to pray for Jordan and his family and the entire community up there in Monks Corner, South Carolina, as another athlete, you know, uh, is dealing with some some very tough situations. But you know what? The athlete in him, I believe it. I'm going to speak it out here. I think the athlete in him is going to allow him to do what needs to be done. He will, he will struggle. He will cry. He will get through it. But the key is that he will get through it. As long as you're going through something that's a positive emotion in the right direction, and we'll pray that he and his family and those around him uh, continue to give him the help and needs there, but uh, always um, always good to see uh, some positive things, some so many things that are going on here in the area. Of course, I'm Rich Yawman. We're alongside uh, Eugene Benton, who's got a lot going on. He's got the Coles kicking camp tomorrow over there in Mount Pleasant, so uh, we're, we're keeping you up to date there. Of course, on uh, our doctor here with us, we've got a lot going on here. Uh, in the uh, Saturday, June 27th, over there at 9 o'clock, the uh, Woodland High School, located at 4128 US 78. That's in Dorchester, South Carolina. Just uh, I guess it would be east or southeast or something like that, to St. George, South Carolina. Uh, we're going to be doing a huge um, event there. We partner with the guys over at the High School Blitz uh, to put the combine together as uh, they'll be playing the game. The junior uh, showcase game will be in December. And, uh, but we've got to get the athletes ready to get there. So uh, you need to come out. You need to be prepared. You need to start. If you had not already getting hydrated, you better be running. You better be exercising because you come out there, you know, uh, spitting up and and not getting it done, you know, you're going to be upset with yourself because you've got plenty of time. You've seen us on social media. Really blow this thing out of the water. And uh, one thing I do want to kind of do here, unless we get some callers call in, Eugene, is kind of talk about 24-7 sports. Uh, They kind of released this. Uh, I guess kind of a little bit early, and that's okay. Let's talk football a little bit, man. We've talked enough about some other stuff. I'd like to get some football conversation in anyway. Uh, but the guys over 24-7 sports have a preseason top 25 of 2020. And number one kind of surprises me. Number two surprises me because I thought they would be number one. After that, it's kind of the same. It, it, it's kind of what we've gotten used to seeing in the top four for some time uh, because the consistency on their programs are there. Uh, and uh, starting off at number one, I, I didn't see this happening, but the Buckeyes, where you were, Eugene, on Saturday, Ohio State, by all likes of 24-7 sports, uh, these guys look like they're going to be uh, a wrecking field here. The uh, Heisman Trophy finalist, Justin Fields, is back for his junior season. Of course, he'll be uh, thrown to a wide receiver room that projects to be among one of the best in the country with uh, Chris Olive. Garrett Wilson are are known as some of the commodities and incoming five-star freshman, Julian Fleming. And, uh, of course, he's going to have a few other receivers there uh, ready to go. But, you know, Eugene, I'm kind of shocked that Clemson's not getting a nod here because they just continue to do what they do. And, by the way, they've got a quarterback. He's kind of a big deal. They don't want to call him Sunshine because that was a guy at South Carolina. But Trevor Lawrence, I mean, this kid, he looks to play the part, and I think it's his Heisman to lose.
3: I think one of the biggest things is,
2: you know, obviously Clemson does. They
3: have arguably the top draft pick in the NFL coming back at, at quarterback, which is the number one position. Um, and they also have a great running back returning. You know, they have great they have great guys all over the field. Unfortunately, I don't know if um, – because I was on the road and it kind of became a big deal up at Ohio State. People were talking about with the uh, potential loss of Justin Ross for the season and, and possibly his career. Uh, And that was the big-time receiver out of Alabama that, you know, had had did so many great things as a true freshman for them. You know, they lost a lot of the receivers from that accord, you know, to the NFL. Um, But, you know, I I was surprised. I think most people thought coming into the season that Clemson was going to be number one. That was almost a given, you know, would Alabama be number two. Um, I am very surprised that Ohio State is, is number one other than, you know, obviously Justin Fields. But, you know, we were looking uh, because we were up there and we were looking at some of the players and we had hoped to if if they were going to open up. And unfortunately, they didn't do so until the day after we left was the locker room. And, you know, those guys lost a lot of talent, you know, to to graduation to the NFL. You know, someone you and I talked about, which was uh, a defensive tackle, uh, defensive lineman there, um, Darnisha Stepson and Antoine Jackson. I mean, this is the guy who had an impact. They lost so much, and um, you know, and Akuda, uh, the guy, the defensive back, the probably, arguably, the number one defensive back in the country. Uh, man, I mean, top to bottom, all these, all these teams lost so much. So, I, I, I was baffled to see that. I, I really thought it'd be Clemson, yeah. and then possibly like a, you know, an Alabama. Or, or Ohio State, you know, with a two and three kind of interchange. You know, I think LSU, uh, who won the national title and put up some great numbers, you know, they lost a lot. Obviously, when you lose your Heisman quarterback who was a starter and you got a guy coming in that hadn't started many games, you know, I think that comes into play. You know, they lost offensive guys, defensive guys. So even as much as I love LSU and Florida, I didn't see either of my quote-unquote teams being up there. Um, but, I, 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 like I said, I'm still baffled. There's, there's no way you don't rank the Clemson team that year in, year out. They put guys in the league, and everybody says, oh, you remember two years ago, uh, you know, all four defensive linemen uh, went to the NFL, and everybody's like, well, they got to take a step back. Where were they? Back in the national championship. Uh, they got a freshman quarterback coming in. There's no way they can win a national title. What do they do? True freshman wins the national title. You know, I've learned to never bet against Dabo um, or Clemson. And like I said, you know, I, I, but as we both know, you know what's going to happen. Dabo's going to print this out and say no one respects you. And that's going to be their motivation all year long. No one respects right. us. We get all this returning. We've been in the national title game through the last four years, and no one still respects us. And that's what I would do. I put something on Twitter last night because I had some DMs, and I went through Twitter, and I saw about four or five kids around the state who said that they thought they were number one in the state. And I tweeted it out. And I wanted one of the guys that I trained to see that because, like I told them, I said, you know, when you're number one, you're the hunted. Right now, you're ranking based on the 24-7. It calls is the ranking service for kickers at 24-7, ESPN and scout uses and as well as rivals. And those are the, those are the top things that that rank kickers or or rank, you know, college players. That's all these services, they all go to Cole. And I told him, I said, you know what, I'll go to bat for you. But as soon as I tweeted it out, I texted him. I screenshot and I texted him. I said, you better back my play. And he said, I got you, coach. And I said, you know, it's the same thing. And it's no different with the rankings for these college programs. You know, you got college coaches, for the most part, who are voting on them. And then you got these writers voting for them, and some of them have their biases, I'm sure. I just man, like I said, you and I have the, have, the, have a diploma that says the same thing, University of South Carolina, and I don't think you or I either would have put a team over Clemson going into this season.
2: Well, you know, I, I, I would you know, and, and it's tough for me because I look at the factor that you know when, when you start to put everything in play, you know of course. You know LSU, they they lost a lot. I mean LSU, and again this is just a this is nothing more than going to Walmart and getting that lucky eight ball and shaking it up a little bit just to have some conversation around the cooler. I understand that. There's there's no doubt these guys have Notre Dame all the way down, of course to number nine. Now LSU's that 2019 run, no doubt magic. I guess best word to describe it. However, you know it's lost a lot of luster, and the biggest one is Joe Burrow. This is a guy who has done some great things, and, and now we'll see how some things happen. But the team that I'm really interested in, and, and I kind of knew this, and, and, of course, we'll get into this with you know Reginald throughout the year, the team that I'm going to be watching as much as anybody is Penn State. I, I think Penn State could possibly finally be the team that represents the Big Ten and does big things. You know, I'm not saying that Ohio State's not doing it, but other than Ohio State. It would be like saying that somebody other than Clemson – and the ACC is going to step up. And watch out, Mac Brown could be that guy. But right now we're talking Penn State, who, you know, maybe this is the year. They've got, I, I want to say, a, a, a very heavy amount of guys coming back on the offensive line and, and offensively overall is uh, up to, I think, nine starters on offense. That's huge. You know, I think that's what's going to help them get some things done because, you know, usually the Big Ten is, is big in defense, right? They're a defensive conference. Big Twelve's always been – the offensive conference, when it comes to those two types of schools. You know, I think that's the thing that's going to keep Clemson in the game. And Clemson's defense is is impeccable. You know, I I think when it comes down to it, Clemson's reloading yearly, daily. Right now, they probably just hired a five-star – just (laughs) hired. They probably just recruited a five-star guy right now. And that's just what happens in in Clemson over Death Valley. It's a nonstop turning table over there because they always do what they have. But when you got a guy – who's like Brent Venables, the defensive coordinators, who can do whatever he needs to do to win the games he needs to win. I mean, these guys, what, number three overall recruiting class? I mean, they continue to reload what they have with either better athletes or as good as athletes. I mean, you heard about the young man that's, uh, of course, uh, over there in California right now. who was part of uh, Snoop Dogg, Coach Snoops, who joined us back uh, about a month and a half ago. Clemson is on his radar, and he's sitting over there in Los Angeles, California. You know, so Clemson is in that conversation. The team that is here, the kids, the team that isn't here, that I'm not sure I'm buying in on, and I understand historically they continue to do great things, is Alabama. But Alabama, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they're going to reload every year. But to me, I think Alabama has shown so much weakness inside the Western side, and, and they're not what they were. They're not what they were. And, and so I ask you, do you think it's the factor that, Clemson's taken a lot from them and some of these other schools have taken a lot from them. Of course, you know, it just seems like they're not as unbeatable as they have been in the last four or five years. I'd say what, in the last two years, they've been a little bit more vulnerable. No, I'm agreeing with that. And
3: I'm going to go back a few years. I I think honestly, I think there was one coach, you know, everybody would always hype up the games where one of Nick Saban's former assistants would play him And they would come in. It was an all hoopla game. It'd be a three thirty CPS game, and Saban would walk the dog with them. Now, uh, Dabo played at Alabama. He's an Alabama boy. He's Alabama blood. Saban isn't. And again, and I'll say that with my University of South Carolina diploma on the wall, and and being a Gator fan, um, that I really it, it, it would seem on the outside looking in that Dabo has taken Saban's manhood. And that last game, you know, those, those games were closed. So when Alabama beat Clemson the first time, he was still, you know, Clemson was still in the game. Uh, when Clemson beat Alabama in the national championship, they came from behind. You know, looking back at, as a coach, I, I do think that was a pick play. I think number three went low on the Alabama uh, defensive back right at the goal line, and then Renfro made that right cut right when that was made. That could be considered a pick play. It was called against uh, Notre Dame, I think it was, when they played Florida State or Florida State versus Notre Dame back when uh, the Myrtle Beach quarterback was at Notre Dame. Uh, It was called against the offense, and it was almost the same exact play. Um, But then the last time they played and when it mattered, man, Clemson walked the dog on that defense, and that was with a true (laughs) freshman quarterback. And and you brought up a good point or, or a good name, and that's Brent Venables. And I think as long as Venables is at Clemson, and I think now uh, that's at least another guaranteed four years, is that he's just a guy that he's the uh, innovator. He was kind of like when um, uh, I can't remember the guy that came in for Tampa Bay. Uh, his son, his uh, son is now the quarter, uh, uh, the head coach over at Ole Miss. Um, ah, pretty boy, I can't remember his name right now. Anyway, his dad invented the uh, Tampa two defense. Um, and, and it's almost like Venables is doing that with college right now. You know, he's calling the plays. He's a hyped-up guy. You know, he, could, he recruits his own guys. His brother moved from Kansas or, or Colorado to help with the family just so Brent can spend more time doing his craft and on-the-road recruiting. And Brent Venables, for the most part, gets what he wants. And everybody can say it's X's and O's more than the Jimmys and Joe's, but he gets both. He gets Jimmys and Joe's and X's and O's, and – you know, it's, and there's a reason he's the highest paid defensive quarter or highest paid coordinator in the nation. I mean, look what the product he puts on the field. Whether Clemson wins 20 to 12 or they win 50 to whatever, you know, part of that or a lot of that's on the defense because no matter what, the defense has been bailing them out year after year.
2: I think the defense was bailing them out, but I also think Clemson's offense is just electrifying. I mean, that running back they have, that kid is super-duper fast. I mean, they constantly rotate that stable. As much as they do wide receivers, that can run routes. They can, of course, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they catch about everything that comes at them, whether it's on the top of their shoes or over their head or right in their chest. I mean, they're very good at what they do. And, and I will agree. I think the defense – but I think it's a good mix. And it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, they've had a two – coach uh, co- coordinator situation over there with Tony Elliott now is the only offensive coordinator because uh, the other coordinator is now the head coach down in Florida. Uh, so that will be an interesting conversation. But, again, comes to reloading, comes to doing what they do. And the best recruiting job Dabo's done, in my opinion, is recruiting Brent Venable's kids to be on that team. Because I feel as long as Brent Venable's kids are playing on that team, Brent's not going nowhere. Now, after that, I would be shocked to see him not go somewhere. I would like to see Brent Venables as a head coach. I think he does great things. It's just a question of when does he go, does he go. He doesn't go for money. There's no need for him to move for money because he has all the money he can handle or that he needs, he could ever want. As Clemson's made him the highest coordinator uh, in the country. Heck, he's paid more than most coaches are as head coaches. Uh, here is, the, by the way, here, I'm going to give you the top ten, Eugene. Uh, this is from the guys over 24-7 sports of the preseason poll. Just some conversation here on a Tuesday afternoon. Number one, coming in, Ohio State. Number two, the Clemson Tigers. Coming in at number three, well, that's going to be, of course, Alabama, the Clemson Tigers. More, Georgia Bulldogs. Now, that is a conversation we could have because they've got some new faces and places to talk about as well. Coming in at the top five, Penn State. That's the team for me early on. I'm going to put uh, the Cinderella slipper on and see if they come to the uh, dance or not. We'll see. Number six, your Florida Gators. That one, by the way, I think, is a dangerous team in the East, and I don't know if they're going to get a lot of respect early, but I think they'll earn it throughout the year. We'll wait and see. Dan Mullen already said they will go undefeated, and he's made some other comments as well. Number seven, Oklahoma. The Sooners will have another quarterback uh, as uh, Spencer Radler. Uh, the era begins for him. And, uh, oh, uh, Norman, Oklahoma. It should be an interesting uh, conversation going forward with them. Number eight, Notre Dame. Why, oh, why, oh, why is Notre Dame always in the top ten? But yet, never finishes normally in the top 15. Number nine, LSU falls way down. They're sitting down at number nine. And number 10, Wisconsin, the Badgers. So they have three teams, Eugene. Three teams in the Big Ten inside the top 10. Do you see it finishing that way? Do you think three teams are actually going to finish inside the top 10 out of the Big Ten?
3: I don't. And the reason why is that we don't even know that the Big Ten is going to have enough teams. To even have a Big Ten this year. Um, we know Ohio State's going to play. We don't even know. They haven't even said about Penn State or that I've seen. Um, I don't. Right. And, and I don't mean right. that disrespectful to the Big Ten. It's just the way it, it happens. I mean, you will have a, a team that sorts out. I mean, everybody thought big things about some of the Big 12 schools last year. And, you know, we, we see how that goes. You'll have. I think you'll have two teams from the Big Ten. Um, it's a rebuilding year. For Michigan State, uh, with new head coach for the first time in a long time, I don't know what Harbaugh's doing at Michigan. He just can't seem to get out of his own way. Ohio State's Ohio State, and we'll see how they go. Um, You know, now we're getting into Ohio State. We're starting to get into, you know, the upperclassmen of the Coach Day's recruits. And what that might mean, I'm not sure. But, you know, Urban Meyer has always proven to be a super recruiter. So, these are going to be Day's guys now. Now we're in, like, year three fully of Coach Day. So, we'll see what happens with Ohio State. Um, you know, Wisconsin, they haven't had – I haven't seen a whole lot of mood, a whole lot of flash. You know, their team just comes in and runs the ball, plays good defense. They have some great years. Um, so, to me, you're really down to Ohio State and Penn State. Um, last year, Minnesota started great. You know, I think they they made it to the top ten. They were at six or seven in the no. But if you look at some of these schools, they had they had some front loaded kind of easy schedules. And then when they started playing the Wisconsins on the road late in the year, and you know the Ohio State, the Penn State, the Michigan State, the Michigan, you know, you started to see them drop a few games. Um, right now, looking in without without having seen a scrimmage or a first game against even against a, a quote unquote nobody or as as some people say, the directional school's opponent, I don't see it. I see maybe two schools. Um, I'd like to see what Penn State offers. Um, you know, they they always have, seem to recruit great running backs, great linebackers, and, and, and great guys on both sides of the line. You know, if they have a great quarterback and skill guys, you know, they can make some noise. I'm a big James Franklin fan. Look what he did at, at Vanderbilt. Everyone knows it, it's probably easier for Harbaugh to win at Stanford and recruiting and all that than it is to recruit at Vanderbilt and win in the SEC. And he actually did. He won a bunch of games in the SEC. And uh, so I'm, I am a James Franklin fan, um, but I don't see more than two teams in the Big Ten actually, you know, ending up
2: in the top ten. Now, you mentioned Jerry Harbaugh. Would you like to guess what his record is as of right now as his tenure with the Wolverines? Well, I want the $7.5 a, a year he makes. Well, what record would you have him at there? What do you think his win-loss is right now after uh, the years he's put in this, uh, in this team? Uh, going into this season, if they play a full schedule for 12 games. Prior to this season, as a total, as a head coach at Michigan, what do you think his record is right now?
3: I don't know his record, but I'm saying he's probably going to be about 66%, so two-thirds of his game, so an average of eight and four. Something like that, nine and I three guess. for a year?
2: What do you okay, so he's forty seven and seventeen, by the way, since he's been in Michigan. That's not a bad record. Okay. I, I get well, everybody thinking if you, take if you a don't have 47
3: an and a All right. So take forty seven right. and seventeen, right? Take two off of each of those. So now down to forty five and fifteen, that's sixty six percent. Is it not? I'm more of a number percent? guy than I am. I'm not much no, of a number guy. That's 75%. <laughs> but I'm going to say – you add 45 and 15, you get 60. So, he's at 75%. Right. And Now, if well, you did your here job here 75% here. of the time and made
2: $7.5 million, what do you think about your employer? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I think to win a national title takes a lot more luck than it does in, in, in any other thing that you do in life. I, I think national championships, state championships – Championships just don't happen. There's a lot of luck. The wind's got to blow this way. The, the grass has got to grow that way. I, you know, I, I think his biggest problem is that he can't find a way to even sniff the end zone when it comes to uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, to me, if you take away the losses of the Buckeyes, that, that's what? I don't know if it's half because I don't know how many years he's been there. Now, what, five or six years now? So, if you take those six away, right, uh, or however many it is, you know, that, that's where most of his losses are coming from, his rivals. And, and where I'm kind of befuddled, because you used to be, you would get fired. You know, I remember, you know, Auburn, you could go undefeated and, and, and lose that one game to Alabama, and you're going to get fired in the state of Alabama. And Nick Saban, if he kept losing, to, if he kept losing, of course, to, Alabama, to Auburn, right, and he was winning all the other games, the state of Alabama would, would definitely buy him a rent a car or get him a rent a car and find him another spot. It used to be that way at Michigan. It used to be that way at Ohio State. And I'm not saying it's not Ohio State because they're winning all the time. But, you know, you look at a Michigan team who, uh, again, you know, they just can't find a way. Now, let's keep going through. As you look through 11 through 20 really quickly here, uh, right at number 11, this is a team at one point they were really they were really high-flying. They were putting – you know, they were doing all kind of great things over there with the Flying Ducks. But Oregon, outside the top ten, it's going to be fun to see what they can do because, again, like you mentioned with the Big Ten, we don't know what the Pac-12 is going to look like. I mean, they've already come out. One guy individually said that, well, we might not even play until January. What does that mean? That's a whole different concept and a whole different uh, conversation. So, we'll talk about the Pac-12 after I give you the other nine teams. So, number 12, Texas A&M. About that time to see if that head coach had left Florida State. Now he sits over there, of course, uh, at – uh, over there with the 12th, man, let's see if he can put something together. The Aggies, of course, are going to be one of the most experienced returning teams in the country. They've got 16 starters coming back at a second straight top six recruiting class, and the A&M has a framework to make not only a run in the SEC, they also have, and especially uh, when you consider the quarterback, Kellen Mond, we'll see what he can do. Number 13, Auburn Tigers, we talked a bit about them. Just not sure what they got going on. There's a lot of Dr. and Hyde there. Uh, what can they do? Where will they go? The Longhorns, could the Longhorns finally make their appearance back and and finally be competitive here? Uh, You know, that that Big 12 is very – man, it's hot and cold. You know, one minute they're hot, this team is, and then the next minute they're not. And what happens is they win all their games in the front end, and then the tougher games are in the back end. And this goes for Baylor, goes for Oklahoma, it goes for Texas, goes for all those teams. It seems like they're always up at the front of the heat at the beginning of the race, but they're towards the end, Eugene. They're kind of towards the back. And then, well, we'll stop at 15 because Oklahoma State's in this conversation here as well. As You can ignore Mike Gundy all you want, but, you know, he continues uh, to put together, I think, what could be that one position because it always seems like Mike Gundy's team is always one player away from making a big splash. Your thoughts on the Big 12 and, of course, uh, the Pac-12 and what they could offer to uh, this conversation in the national championship run? Yeah, you know, outside of,
3: what I think to be Texas, and Texas showed last year they had some metal. You know, we're in I think what year three or year four of Tom Herman, um, and he's a great coach. He, he's obviously that Ohio State slash uh, his own pedigree in the sense that he's
4: kind of that Ohio
3: State Urban Meyer. Yet he's very innovative. Uh, he's very meticulous um, to the point where he focuses on the ceiling tiles in the recruiting uh, office and. If, a towel is misshaped, he has crews come in. I mean he's that type of guy who never sleeps. Uh he was the guy that obviously a lot of South Carolina fans had hoped to had landed South Carolina before Muschamp came. Um in mean, Texas I thought was close. And then, you know, that very opening game, you know, they they challenged LSU. You know, they they were throwing punches and body blows back and forth to LSU until uh, Joe just made some great passes, kind of just dumped some passes over their DBs to the receivers. And, you know, away LSU season went, and I think it really jumped off from that game. Uh, I think if you look at the conference, uh, you know, Oklahoma has made some runs and runs and runs. You know, it just it just seems like Lincoln hadn't put together that, uh, that big game Joe mentality. He hadn't won that national title game. You know, losing to Georgia uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, losing to Clemson, I mean Clemson again. Every time they play Oklahoma, Oklahoma talks trash in social media, and then Clemson basically shuts them down. And you know they come in scoring fifty points a game, and then Clemson holds them to you know ten or twelve. It's something crazy. And um, but you know so so Lincoln, but I think Lincoln's a great coach, no doubt. You know, I think he can put up points. Yeah, you know, he's got to prove it when he gets to that Final Four. He's got to prove it when it matters. Um, but you know, so I think it's you know the Big 12 to me is back down to those two. Like you said, Mike Gundy can do special things. O- Oklahoma State has you know their offense seems to change. They always seem to put up great numbers. You wonder where he finds these quarterbacks that nobody's ever heard of, and then all of a sudden they're throwing for 4,500 yards and you know 50 touchdowns. Um, but the problem is, is when they play the Oklahoma, when they play the, Oklahoma, the Texas, you know, and that quarterback just been throwing for 500 yards now throws for 200. Maybe has two or three picks in the game. The running back just doesn't seem to get off, and the other team's defense makes a bunch of plays, and uh, and their defense doesn't show up. So I think that's always been his bugaboo is his defense. <laughs> um, as for the Pac-12, goodness, man. I don't even know where to start. Um, Oregon hasn't been Oregon, and that goes back to when Chip Kelly left. Um They've had a couple of seasons, and unfortunately they had the one season with the coach, and then he ditched them and went to Florida State, and then he got fired. You know, as much money as Phil Knight has and and Nike puts in, and they probably have arguably, you know, the top facilities in the nation. You know, what happened to them? What happened to the, you know, the innovative offenses and uh, the spread wing tees, throw the ball deep, have six running backs. They all run four threes and four twos. You know, what's happened to that? Uh, Southern Cal, you know, this isn't Southern Cal of the early, the late 90s. This isn't, um, you know, UCLA hasn't had a, a great team since probably Troy Aikman suited up for those guys. Maybe a, a season here or two when uh, the McCown brothers were there. You know, Arizona State, Arizona showed a few flashes here and there. Uh, you want to cheer for Arizona State just because of who their coach is. I mean, who doesn't love him? Um, but, you know, when you look at the conference over the past couple of years, what team stands out? Utah. Utah. Utah stands out in the Pac 12. And that's because they play great defense. And then they have a good offense. What I think Utah did is they've taken kind of a somewhat of an SEC model. And that's uh, recruit great defensive guys, recruit your best athletes, your biggest, strongest athletes, put them on defense, shut those guys down take the head coach out of an offensive coordinator game plan, you kind of, you know, mind screw those guys, and then you run your plays and score some points. You know, Utah is also a team that's a, a Meyer pedigree, and some of those guys are still there. So, when I look at the Pac-12, I'm going Utah. Until someone else proves me wrong, I'm still going Utah.
2: Now, you mind you, you said SEC style, and they went and got an SEC style quarterback literally from the game Gamecocks. And, uh, you know, they're going to get Jake Bentley over there for me, you know, well, who's to say that Jake Bentley doesn't break out and, and become a Heisman Trophy winner? I mean, you imagine the Gamecock Nation, how would they respond to something like that because they have called him Big Game Bentley for so long, and yet he would go to the Pac-12 and has a chance to maybe, I, I would say, have an easier schedule, an easier route to, to doing greater things there. Again, you know, it, it is more of an offensive style conference. They just had to find somebody in the Pac-12, kind of like the Big Twelve to play a little bit of defense along the way. If you can do that, then then you may actually can have a, a little leg up. You know, for me, I look at the Big 12, and, and I still think Oklahoma's the team. For whatever it is there, he continues. That coach there, and, and I like him. I, I think he was a great hire. I, he continues to be kind of a quarterback uh, whisperer. He continues to bring guys in. I mean, he had, you know, Jalen there from Alabama, who I think is just a good a guy off the field. as he on the field? I've actually seen him there in Tuscaloosa, uh, years back, a couple of years, about a year or so ago. And, uh, you know, just a down-to-earth guy. We talked to you just like he's known you forever. It didn't matter. Uh, you, you start to kind of see other quarterbacks that have come through his system. But I think it's it's Oklahoma to lose in that conference. But but I kind of feel, I kind of feel like you're going to see a, an Oregon team kind of sling their way back in. You know, they are very heavy competitive in speed. They're very fast. But they're just as fast on defense right? They're very fast on defense. They have a a closing speed. I think their angle to the ball is a lot better than you see some of the other teams. I'm not sure what it's going to take for Southern Cal. You mentioned Southern California. When are they going to make their appearance back? I mean, even look at UCLA. They've been quiet for a long time. You know, you you look at what they used to do. You know, all the teams in the state of California – you know, to me, you know, just don't live up to the hype. It kind of reminds you of what Florida was for a couple of years there. When it was UCF that was the big dog. In Easy, United buddy. Shockingly to everybody. I'm just saying, that's what you see now in, in, in the state of California. It just – there's not a lot of wow factor. But how is there not a lot of wow factor when you really don't have to go anywhere? The state of Florida doesn't have to go anywhere. Texas doesn't have to go anywhere. These are just kids that – Walk across your campus they go to the Seven Eleven to get something to eat, something to drink. All you got to do is convince them to not keep walking. But yet you're allowing other schools to come in. I remember when James Franklin, when he went to Penn State, remember what he did? He went down to the state of Florida and started putting billboards up on every corner. I mean, that's when you started seeing, talking about Jim Harbaugh, and he started having sleepovers, <laughs> which I thought was kind of weird and creepy at the same time. But nevertheless, these guys were going into the state – and doing great things. Now, I think Florida has locked it down a little bit. I, I, I don't know if the latest incident at Florida State is going to help Florida State. I need Florida State to be relevant again. I need Miami to be relevant again. You know, for me, the old school college football days, I'd like to get back to where it was. And, uh, you know, for me, it, it, it takes a lot of work for that to happen. For the game tax, you know, what are you thinking about South Carolina as we're wrapping up the show with about ten minutes left? You know, for South Carolina, unfortunately, here's the thing. While you're not getting some things that I think you really kind of need to get, unfortunately, Florida State, excuse me, Florida is getting better. Georgia is getting better. Watch out, Tennessee is getting better. And I think in the SEC East, Tennessee's a team. They started off bad. Remember, Georgia State beat them right there in Tennessee? They finished off extremely strong and they continue to recruit great things. I think Jeremy is going to surprise a lot of people. And I think that they're a team that you can watch for? I think the SEC East, this is just my thoughts, but I think this is the year for the SEC East to be better than the West, Eugene, when it comes down to it. And as far as Clemson's concerned, because I want to touch on that just quickly, and we only went through 15. We'll touch some of the other teams uh, on Thursday. North Carolina is a team that you better watch out for. You remember when Nick Saban, excuse me, well, Nick Saban, for example, he's the same guy, but you remember when Steve Spurrier came to South Carolina, the Gamecocks weren't in great shape. They had just gotten through a big fist fight with the Tigers. They were just going through a huge debacle. Here comes Steve Spurrier. And if it wasn't for the name of Spurrier, half the coaches and most of the players don't even come to South Carolina, right? They came on the reluctance of the parents that knew Steve Spurrier at Florida, not at Washington, because he didn't have good times at Washington with the Redskins, but the parents, the generation, you know, that they're a little bit older than us or at least a couple years than us, Eugene, they remember, what Coach was doing at Florida back when your Gators were really doing some things with the Dorings and the Danny Warples and guys like that. That being said, I think that's what Mac Brown's going to do at, at North Carolina. Not only is that, he's dancing in the locker room. C-Sport, I don't know how much dancing he did, but uh, Mac Brown's in there juping and jiving. He's He's relating to every recruit that comes on. When he picked up that kid from Myrtle Beach, I thought real quick, they got something big going on. And, and I think their team, and by the way, they're on the other side, if I'm not mistaken, at Clemson. I think that would be an interesting matchup as, as these teams could see each other in that ACC matchup game.
3: Yeah, I'm actually thinking, you know, I was surprised about the Mac Brown hire. And I will say this, that he actually reached out to the University of South Carolina uh, when Spurger announced his uh, retirement or that he was stepping down. But I don't know if you know this, but Mack, actually Matt Brown reached out, and he asked to um, be interviewed. And the, from what I understand from the people behind the scenes, is they were looking to look for a coach who would be a little more long-term. Uh, another person that you may be shocked to hear this, and you and I may have talked about this off the air, was that the former head coach at uh, Coastal Carolina had reached out and said he would take over as head coach as an advisory role uh, if they would consider uh, hiring Lincoln Riley and make the transition. This was when he was still at Eastern Carolina. And if they would make the transition to him kind of being an advisory role into Lincoln Riley. And my understanding from someone who was in that meeting uh, was that they didn't want to hire, quote, unquote, almost like two head coaches, and they thought Lincoln Riley had not had any head coaching experience. Now, look, Oklahoma's been to two uh, uh, Final Fours, and, uh, you know, not saying anything against Coach Mustamp, but, you know, sometimes you got to take a chance. And I don't think the 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 board of trustees at the University of South Carolina is willing to do that. You know, they go out and hire Holtz. They go out and hire Spurrier. It's almost like they're afraid to hire that young guy. Look what Clemson did. Dabo had never been the head coach. He was a receiver coach. Before that, he was selling insurance. And then they have two national titles, you know, and they've been to play for two more, so you know, sometimes you got to take a chance and, you know, it doesn't seem like University of South Carolina is willing to do that. They did take a somewhat chance on Frank Martin. Um, He was a guy that was kind of working his way up and first ever final four in school history. So, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And if you don't take a chance or if you don't, you know, as a baseball analogy, if you don't ever swing the bat, you can never hit a home run. You know, you would probably understand the other way if um all right, well, I guess everybody at home runs off you, but it doesn't matter. But um, <laughs>
2: Oh, I knew it was coming.
4: <laughs>
2: oh, man. i tell you, you know, here's the thing. We're going to wrap up today's show, and I do want to thank everybody who joined us, of course, at 630. We uh, always have Reginald Walker, Jr., the former Penn State Nittany Lion, of course, does multiple media outlets in Charlotte here on Southern Board Central, 630 segment, and then Oceanside on. Coach Joe Call joined us over there from Mount Pleasant, uh, when he talked about practice, they started yesterday. A lot of teams around the stadiums started that initial uh, getting it back in order, if you will, there. Of course, uh, we will hope to have when here, maybe next uh, show Thursday will be Jim Baxter, maybe somewhere around the second hour or third hour. I do know the schedule at 630. We will, of course, uh, get with Jay Williams. He is the South Carolina Youth Football Association uh, commissioner. We'll talk to him about that. I'm sure he's excited about the news coming out about us doing the uh, June 27th over at Woodland High School. We are doing the combine over there at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's a Saturday. Uh, of course, that is a school that he coaches at as well. So, I'm sure he's excited about that news that's breaking out. Now, he'll join us at 6.30. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to Then at 7 o'clock, high school blitz is on. Ken Brown's going to join us for about an hour. We're going to talk a lot about it, a lot of things. We'll open the airlines uh, up there and allow you to call in to ask uh, Ken, myself, and Eugene, uh, any questions you have, uh, you want to make sure, athletes, if you're listening now, you should have already been hydrating. because You should be getting ready to go out to your high school fields uh, here any day now, but you need to be staying in shape. Not getting in shape, but staying in shape. That's the most important thing as uh, we get ready. Now, want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studio, the Temp Farm, Somerville Signs, Gurren Pharmacy, Simmons Barbershop, and Music Man Pond, and without further ado, of course, uh, they... Kicking Academy ran by our one and only, Coach Eugene Benton, who, of course, tomorrow, Coach, uh, wishing you and your group, and all the guys and girls that are going to show up tomorrow in Mount Pleasant at the Coles Kicking uh, Camp, and the uh, the challenge, I guess, that i be put up there. Uh, the best of luck tomorrow, and hopefully you guys will stay uh, dry, uh, hydrated, and ready to make some records. And no doubt, and I appreciate
3: you actually bringing up for the uh, young guys and ladies. Uh, I know it hit the news last year. I trained, a young, I trained a young lady named Shea. She was actually a student trainer for the football team. Uh, she's a top-notch uh, soccer player, and she actually hit a field goal with a time expired against Calden County, my alma mater. Now, I went to Clemson camp last June, almost a year ago this time. There was a young lady up for, uh, I think, Daniel, or one of the high schools up in that area, and she was kicking uh, out there kicking field goals. And, you know, I was talking to her, and she came to me and said, you know the high school coach said you're a great soccer player. We don't have anybody can do this. And so, you know, definitely if there's any young ladies who want to, you know, try their hand at the sport, they want to try kicking some footballs. Definitely reach out as well because you know, it's not limited to just guys doing football. Uh, you know, there there's some room for ladies too. I and mean, it's been done on the college level as well. So, uh, but yeah, thank you for the shout out. You know, best of luck to the guys competing, and that's uh, the you know the guys I train and all the other folks that are going to be competing. You know, obviously, I have my favorites, and that's you know the four high school kids or four different kids from – or kids from four different high schools. Sorry about that. In low country, uh, we'll definitely be rooting for them. And I think they'll all be trained up, and I know they're excited and ready to go. And uh, just stay safe and stay healthy, brother. And I'll reach out to you, and I'll update you tomorrow as uh, the competition goes
2: on. All right, guys. Without that to do it for today's show. I want to thank all the responses, all of our guests, Eugene, of course uh, – all those who listen in here tonight, don't forget, set your schedule for the uh, 27th of June That's Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Woodland High School is the destination. We'll tweet it out again. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Southern Sports Central, on Twitter, at Sports Central, and on Instagram, at Southern Sports Central. On behalf of all of us, all of you, stay safe. God bless. Go out and love your neighbor. And uh, we'll do it again here Thursday night right here on Blog Talk Radio, 6 p.m., guys. Until next time, God bless and take care.